You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. The following program is rated TV MALSV. It contains strong language, sexual situations, violence, and nudity. It is intended only for mature audiences. This is part two. Chris Farley and David Spade. They were the best of friends and co-stars in many blockbuster comedy films of the 90s. Or were they? Were we surprised? You bet your pippies we were. Holy shnikes! Now, here are your two favorite fat guys in little coats, Corey and Mikey. Let's do this thing. No yelling on the bus! Hey there, what's up? We're back with another episode of the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. I'm Mikey. I'm Corey. And uh, if we sound a little different, it's because we're recording on a Monday. Yes, it is a Monday. It is a Monday. Uh, so, Mon- mundane. Yeah, so this isn't our normal Sunday. We are on a holiday, Monday. That's why we sound different. So. But you're gonna hear it on Friday, and you probably don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> or t- sometimes, might. if you pay attention, you can hear it early. If if it posts early. That's yeah. That's if you pay attention. Post it early. Yeah, but it's always announced on Fridays on our Facebook page, um, and then uh, at some point later, it gets uh, announced on the uh, Electronic Media Collective Facebook page, which is our network that we're on. You can check them out at electronicmediacollective.com. So, uh, what's been going on? Not a whole hell of a lot this last week. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I did anything the entire, the entire week other than work. Well, that's good for you. I think I'm not sure. That's good for you. Did I didn't have wrestling. No, we didn't have any wrestling. Uh, I started filming a movie. You did. It'd be a short movie. I paid bills. That's about all I did. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, it was adulting. Good. Adult, yes. Yay. I was having a blast. Did, what, did you really have fun? No. Because no. I was broke afterwards. Yeah. But, the, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, camping. You know? Or, yeah. You know, you just kind of make do. Well, camping's fun. No, it's camping is not fun. Glamping. Gl- oh, you glamp? My wife doesn't camp, so we have to glamp. Yeah. Uh, I, uh... Which is yeah. just, you know, getting like a hotel room or something. <laughs> yeah, that's just going out of town. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big camping person. I just don't like... I know, we used to camp at your house. Yeah, and I didn't camp. And usually you were inside, and the rest of the fools were outside. Yeah. I was making use of my surroundings. <laughs> but, uh, LYN, when we, we'd have those events, I would generally have a lady friend with me. And, so, yeah, I'd, I'd stay yeah. in the house. Yeah. It, 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 what, what, <laughs> what, this, what, what it was is... We were uh, preparing for the zombie apocalypse with the zombie research society that we were all a part of, and we were doing survival training. 
So basically, I would be like the, you know, like the governor yeah. <laughs> or whatever. I'd be living in my house and have, have me some companionship, and everybody else would be out sweating their ass off in a tent uh, in my yard. Too. Yeah, out in my yard. Yeah, I, I don't. I remember like the the one time I actually got to go, I made my own tent. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I slept in that, and everybody else slept in like tents and everything else, and I was the only one who didn't have ticks. Yeah, Corey was like the the first little pig. He made a shelter out of sticks, <laughs> and it worked. It did, and you didn't have any ticks. No, I had no ticks. Everybody else was in tents, and yeah. I was tick free just because I sprayed it. <laughs> That's funny. I sprayed it with bug spray. Oh my god. Yeah, that, we, those are fun times, but I just don't, I don't like to sweat when I sleep, and when you're in a tent, and you're, you get that, like, that vinyl bottom of the tent. Yeah. You always sweat your ass off. Mm-hmm. I, I wake up in a pool of sweat, and I, and I, either that, or it rains, and the tent collapses, and yeah. I, I don't like that shit. So, and it usually rains. Yeah, usually, yeah, you could, you could be on, like, a hundred day dry streak, and you go camping, and it's gonna rain that night. Yep. And I lived in a camper for a couple of years, so I'm not really into the camper life, you know. No. I mean, I, I had I had my share of your it. Dad, what, your dad is selling a camper, though. Yeah, my dad is sold. Yeah, we, yeah. If anybody wants to buy a 28 foot camper, it's nice. Yeah, get a hold of us. Uh, and the way you can get a hold of us is uh, by emailing retropowerhour at gmail or you could six six nine B retro. It is six six nine B retro. You could call. It's at six six nine two three seven. 3876, or you can use the Anchor app to send us a message. And guess what? We have a voicemail. We have another voicemail. Yes. Nice. Is it the same guy for ordered pizza last time? No, this is not. This is a very this is a very kind voicemail. Oh, nice. Reviewing one of our past shows. So let's uh, plug that in here. Hello, Retro Renegades. First time caller, long time listener. This is... Your old pal Colton of the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour theme song fame. I wanted to call because you two are both tremendous, great, lovely humans, and I love what you do. And I had a cool story pertaining to a recent episode about the great Weird Al Yankovic, because it ties into the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour when I was just a ute, as Mikey would say. My uncle played a Weird Al Yankovic live DVD, and I thought it was the greatest thing ever because Weird Al Yankovic is, in fact, the greatest thing ever. And I saw how my grandmother was smiling and laughing, and it was at that moment, as a small child, I knew, I want to be a musician, and I want to make people happy from listening to music that I make. And then my grandmother told me, yeah, this guy's never done a drug or drank alcohol in his life. And I said, well, I want to be like Weird Al, never do drugs or drink alcohol in my life. So I've never drank alcohol or done drugs in my life, and I became a musician. And if it weren't for Weird Owl, Al, sorry, not Owl, we wouldn't have the pop, Pressure Renegade's Pop Culture Power Hour theme song. So Weird Al, one of the most influential people in my life, is responsible for this podcast theme song. So that's great, just like you guys. Keep up the great work. Love you bunches. Bye. So there was our, our pal Colton. Oh, dude, that was that was cool. I'm glad he I'm glad he called. Yeah, yeah. Colton checking in uh, with a little Weird Al story. That was actually you know what I really like that. Story. That was a really cool story he told. 
Yeah, and the fact that, uh, you know, that Weird Al is responsible for influencing him to make music, which he makes great music. Yes, he does. Uh, and, and is responsible for, in a roundabout way, our theme song, which is an awesome theme song that, that Colt made for us. Yes, he did. What I find very impressive is that Weird Al inspired him not to drink or do drugs ever. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. That's really cool. Uh, I can't say that I have that experience. I probably did your share and more, Colton. So I did not. Yeah, Corey did not. I uh, you drank. I drank. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I did. I did a lot of shit. So if you ever want to just hear a little bit about what that was like, I can tell you some stories. You don't know what you And it was. It was. Some it, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I want to tell you, but yeah, I think it's amazing that he you know, he's got that. He 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 works out in Hollyweird. Yeah, and he can still stay away from all that stuff. Oh, that yeah, that's great. I mean, it's amazing. It's it's, it's truly amazing. Uh, because you know, there's a saying: if you sit around the barber shop too long, you're gonna get a haircut. Yeah. Well, I don't. Agree with that. If you don't want a haircut, don't get a haircut. You know? Um, I've, heard, I've heard a way different saying. Same start, but different ending. Yeah, I'm sure. I was like, if you sit around a barbershop too long, eventually it'll be hookers and blow. Damn it. I hear him here actually with no hair. <laughs> Damn. But anyways, yeah, that, <laughs> I, think that, I think that's super cool yeah. that, that uh, you know, Colton is... is you know, he called in, he's, he's listening, he participates, he, he gave us that that great theme song, and it was inspired by Weird Al. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So, Colton, Colton's a good friend. Yeah, keep up the great work uh, out there, brother, and thank you so much for all you've done for us. Um, you know, it's it's awesome just to have someone like that in our corner. Yeah, it is. So, uh, speaking of Weird Al, I got an accordion. You did get an accordion. I got an accordion. Um... Kind of a cool little story. So, my, I, I was I was just you know, kind of getting settled in at work, and like I do every morning when I get to work, I jumped on Facebook yeah to see what's going on because that's part of my part of my uh, ritual you know part of my uh, my routine. So I got on Facebook and I kind of scrolled through, and as I scrolled by, I saw this accordion on Marketplace, and I'm like whoa 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 whoa, and I back up like I, that'd be kind of fun just to just to get to kind of mess with you know. And then I noticed that my aunt is the one listing it. Oh, no shit. So I contacted her. I'm like, hey, uh, is that your... I didn't know you had an accordion. And she's like, I'll call you. So she calls me, and she says, yeah. She said, your uncle gave it to me. So her brother gave it to her Mm -hmm. and said, do what you want with it. I'm going to throw it out. Do what you want with it. And so she tried to put it on Marketplace. I'm like, don't sell it to me. I want it. She's like, okay. So, when I asked my dad, I'm like, did you know anything about your brother having this accordion? He said, yeah. Our grandpa bought it for him and was trying to teach him how to play it. Oh, no shit. So, this accordion now is an antique. I mean, it's a, my uncle's like 70 years old. Yeah. So And he had it when he was a little kid. And he had it when he was a little kid. So, this thing is like 60, 70 years old, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm just going to try to learn it. It's, it's not, you know, in great shape. doesn't need to be because... It's not Mikey sized. It, it's you no, know, it's not. It's a child size, um, but that's perfect because my hands actually fit. 
I could reach everything well because I would be a great. I would be great hand. to play this. Well, maybe I have tiny. I have tiny fingers. Yeah. Well, this you know I can reach everything without really struggling. I can you know and not moving my hand much. I can just kind of go up and down the board, finger yeah. up and down the board. And, um, but yeah, so I, I have an accordion now. I'm gonna be. I don't know. I'm, I'm watching videos, I guess, and trying to watch a lot of Weird Al. Well, and the thing is, like uh, you know, my mom said, "Well, do you, are you sure it's even in tune?" And I said, you know, when you break out an accordion, people don't sit there and go, oh, he's got an accordion. I wonder if it's in tune. You break out accordion, people, the first thing they say is, ah, fuck, he's got he has an accordion. accordion. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, that's going to be kind of my, my goal is to just learn some fun things, learn how to make some fun noises with it. Yeah. And just have a good time. I mean, when you think about it, it's been in my family for 60 or 70 Better years. Part of 60 years, yeah. Yeah, so uh, what, what, a, what a fun little... And it's a cool piece. Yeah. If nothing else, it's a cool piece to be in my collection. So I'm never going to sell it. It's just going to hang out. I'm going to make some noise with it, and I'm going to have an antique accordion in my house. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. And then I started filming a movie. Uh, I started that yesterday. Um, I am the title character... In the legendary Homeless Joe, where I don't know how much of it I could give away, which I probably shouldn't give much of it away. I would just give the title. Yeah, the legendary Homeless Joe. Other than your name is not Joe. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. In the in the <laughs> film, my name is Joe. But uh, yeah, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of physical activity uh, yesterday. Um, and it was like a hundred degrees. Yeah, and I was in like an army uh, field jacket and a flannel shirt and a stocking cap. So I was sweating my ass off. So when he showed me this picture, I was like, you look exactly the same like you normally do. Yeah. But your face is dirty. Yeah, I just have <laughs> makeup on my face to make it look dirty. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's not a stretch. I'm kind of playing a, a mentally imbalanced, uh, home-seeking individual. I don't know if my character's seeking a home. I think he's perfectly happy being on the street. But uh, regardless, yeah, this will be a fun little thing, and it, it'll be out. It'll be a little short film. Yeah, you know, just, I I think probably about five to ten minutes actually. Just a little teaser of things to come. So we're just trying some things out. But yeah, it was kind of fun. So anything else we need to talk about? Uh, nothing really coming up. No, I mean, I'm going out of town for work. That'll be fun. No, it won't. Bring yeah, bring us uh, souvenirs. Going <laughs> like two hours away. <laughs> we don't need souvenirs from two hours away. Yeah, yeah I do. Okay, I'll bring you something back. Yeah, we well, we are staying next to the local Hooters. Well, so bring me some wings. I'll bring you some wings. Yes. Maybe if we go like Friday after or Thursday, I'll bring you back some wings. Yeah, yeah like don't order them like on Tuesday when you get there. Be like, <laughs> got them in the fridge for you, buddy. Because <laughs> we don't have two of them here. <laughs> But I get you. I get you some wings. We don't have two. We only have one around here. We got here. two. We got one in Council Bluffs. Oh yeah, and then the one out there. Yeah. yeah okay. The one yeah. Out yeah. West. Yeah. Yeah. I pointed the one out there. Yeah, I knew where you were talking yeah. about. The, the, that way, that direction. The people, the people listening are like, oh yeah, there is one out there. They so, know where we're at. That's some of them. I don't want to know where we're at. <laughs> they'll they'll hunt us down. You already do have a couple stalkers. Uh yeah, I do. Which is fun. I can't even get. In that category of having a stalker, you can be my stalker. I, I already well no because you we want each other around. 
Or were you counting yourself as one of my stalkers? No, I was just oh. saying I don't have any stalkers. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of stalkers... Uh, it's because of why I do radio. I have a face for radio. You do. You do. Yeah. Um, speaking of stalkers, this has nothing to do with stalkers at all. Uh, Except for that DJ that one night said I was handsome. You're going to hold on to that. Yeah, hold on to that forever. She was hot. A drunk DJ, told, a drunk attractive <laughs> DJ told you that you were mysterious and handsome. It's probably because she couldn't remember who she was. More than likely. <laughs> you're mysterious and handsome. That's what your name's going to be. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so this has nothing to do with stalkers at all. Uh, we're going to talk, continuing our series on the SNL 85 to 95 breakout stars. Breakout duos, actually, kind of. Duos. Um, which, have you seen the numbers that these SNL shows are doing? Oh, dude, these are they're just blowing up. I mean, I looked at it the, uh, yesterday just for the one we posted on Friday. Yeah. And it was already like 27,000. Yeah, twenty-one thousand. Yeah, we're getting uh, huge, huge responses. Huge numbers. People are, you know, if if not listening, they're at least seeing on Facebook what's going on and interacting with it. So, kind of the mission of the show is to elicit these memories and and interactions and reminisce with people that we don't know, and apparently, like. I mean, just in the last week and a half, okay, we've reached 49,000 people. So that's 49,000 people. And we don't advertise. We, we don't advertise for shit. We don't boost posts, nothing. Uh, just in the last week and a half, we've had 49,000 people that may have had a memory that we talked about that maybe that you know made them happy or made them smile or whatever. That's why we do this yeah. show. That's exactly why we do this show. And to, to do it for ourselves, you know. It's, it makes us happy. So uh, And we're still we're working up to the to, to the do to, to the two value meals from Taco Bell. We hey, we're almost there. We uh, we missed we, out actually. Once we get that dude, I'm done. Well we missed <laughs> we actually we missed out because um, speaking of Taco Bell, the Mexican pizza came back. Yeah, you know what? It's I gone was, again. No, it's not. Yeah. It was only for a week. They put it. They put it on the menu, and what I, from what I hear, is they pulled it off, and they said we will. It will be back, but they put it out there and then pulled it. I think they just wanted to see how it was going to do. How they think it was going to do is their f- most popular item. I'm so pissed because I went to Taco Bell three times, and every time I went there, they were fucking out. You didn't. You never got. I one? never got one. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Taco Bell. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so mad, dude. <laughs> oh, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Here's Tom Cruise break. Talk to me, Goose. Hey, there's Tom Cruise. God damn it. <laughs> dude, speaking, speaking of that. Oh, this is going to be a fun show. Speaking of that shithead. Um, so, who, me? No, Tom Cruise. Oh. Did you see, uh, what was it, Tony Kimball? He posted, he's like, hey, I'm going to see this movie. Yeah. He wants to go. I said, dude, I wouldn't go see that movie even if it was Pip farting on a snare drum. <laughs> Tony's another great listener of ours. Yes, he is. Yeah, he, he uh, and, and, a, and a great a great friend and, and collaborator. We've worked on uh, some movies yeah. with him and stuff. And, uh, I believe he's, he's been, uh, I think he's been on a couple couple sets with me. 
And, uh, yeah. Hey, hi, Tony. Hey, Tony. <laughs> so, uh, call us sometime, Tony. 669-B-Retro. Yes, sir. So, back to what we were... <laughs> the matter at hand here. <laughs> we are going to talk about uh, duo number two of the SNL 85-95 Breakout Stars. And that's going to be uh, David Spade and Chris Farley. So, we're going to discover some things here that kind of shocked me, actually. Um, but we'll get to those when we get to them. Let's start with David Spade. Because David Spade, I would say, is probably the... He, he didn't do as much in the time frame that we talk about. No, but he blew up later. Later he did blow up. Um, so, just kind of... You know, some background on him. Uh, David Spade was born July 22nd, 1964, in Birmingham, Michigan. Um, his mom, Judith, was a magazine editor. And his dad was uh, Sam Spade, a sales representative. His real name was Wayne, but he went by Sam Spade. He has two older brothers, Brian and Andy Spade. And... Uh, Actually, the uh, Andy Spade is an entrepreneur, and he and his wife, Kate Spade, made Kate Spade designer brand. Oh, no shit. Yeah, the, the clothing line. So that's kind of cool. Um, he uh, basically, they, they moved from Michigan to Arizona when he was four years old, and his parents divorced, and he and his brothers were raised by their mother. In poverty, um, he uh, went to college after high school. He went to college, Scottsdale Community College and Arizona State University, dropping out because he started making a decent living doing stand-up comedy. So he dropped out of college to be a comedian, and he, I guess there was a legendary. Monday night comedy show in Tempe, Arizona at a, a place called Greasy Tony's Pizza. Yeah. That's where he would, like, do his his shows. Um, he also performed stand-up at uh, the Farce Side Comedy Hour, which was um, Arizona State University's sketch comedy show. So that's where he kind of broke got in. Kind of yeah. got his feet wet a little bit. Um, he was discovered while performing at the Improv in Los Angeles. And he got cast in Police Academy 4. Now, Police Academy 4 is uh, Citizens on Patrol. Not the greatest outing for Police Academy? No, it was still funny as shit, though. Police Academy to me. It brought in... It, it brought in... brought together Zed and Sweet Chuck. <laughs> yeah, I did. I mean, police, the Police Academy movies for me, though... The first one or two were fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. And then after that, I felt like they were just re, kind of recycling those two movies. Let's have them go to Russia and do the same well, shit. Well, that one, that was like the what? sixth one. Yeah. That one was terrible. Was Mission like, to Moscow. Yeah, that was like, it was like a Miami beach. Well, but, you know, they, they just kept regurgitating jokes and, you know... This guy makes funny noises, so he's going to make funny noises the whole time. And this guy does this, so he's going to do, you know, this guy's kind of insane, so he's going to be insane. It was the same jokes 
over and over and over in fuck how many are there was like 10 of them I think like, there were 6 movies 6 of them yeah but yeah it's just kind of like eh you know after the first couple but Citizens on Patrol gave us David Spade so um, but that was an 80s well, it was David Spade Tony Hawk was in that oh he was yeah yeah he was one of the the skaters because they were all they all got busted for skating. oh he played a skater yeah wow that yeah, was a stretch, stretch for, him. for him yeah that's it I'm sure he had a hard time doing that. He's only the fucking greatest skater ever in the world. You know another movie he was in? Huh. Gleaming the Cube. Oh, was he? Yeah, he was. Oh, that was pretty good. That was a fun movie. I have never been able to skateboard, and uh, I love Gleaming the Cube, though. So do I. Yeah. My we, daughter we can skateboard. I, I know. We were discussing that earlier. I told her I couldn't even stand on one, and she said, that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it kind of is. Uh, so after uh, after he did Police Academy, that's when he jumped on with Saturday Night Live. He joined the cast in 1990. Um, Dennis Miller actually brought him into that fold, and he started as a writer and then moved up to a cast member. Known for his uh, sarcastic demeanor, they must all do that. Kind of start as a writer and see where they can do with see what they can yeah. do, and then it's okay. You're funny now. Let's put you in front of an audience. Yeah, I could see that. Um, and sometimes they would have them come on and be like the opening act. Yeah, they before the show started, they want to get that crowd, you know, ready to applaud when the applause signs come on and stuff like that. So they send somebody out there, and it was generally that group of people, those writers, those okay stand up comedians that you know are writing for them. They would send one of them out. Um. So, yeah, uh, he he was on the show up until about 96. Um, He was kind of the bridge between the old cast members that we've been talking about and the newer cast members like Will Ferrell, Molly Shannon, and Sherry O'Terry. Then he, he, he left, he came back, uh, as a, uh, the host for a while and kind of uh, he kind of got in trouble because he made a joke about Eddie Murphy in 1995 was this on Saturday Night Live? Mm-hmm. has he been banned already? Uh, David Spade? yeah I don't think he's banned okay but he made a joke about uh, Eddie Murphy and they put up a picture of Eddie Murphy from The Vampire in Brooklyn. Okay, which was a terrible movie. And that was like that was like the beginning of his terrible movies. He yes, made, and then I know. See, I like it. I do like it too, but it wasn't. It's uh, it not wasn't his best movie. showing. No, no, it's up there with like Meet Dave or Oh God, that Spartan, was bad. Spartan Mash or Meet yeah. whatever the hell it was. So what he did, he put up a picture of Vampire in Brooklyn, and he said. Uh, Look, kids, it's a falling star. Make a wish. I remember this. And he was just referring to the shitty box office that Vampire in Brooklyn did. But that is what pissed Eddie Murphy off. And he was pissed at David Spade and Saturday Night Live for years afterwards. You know what? Don't make shitty movies and that won't happen. Well, he apparently called two days later. He called the SNL offices. And wanted to speak to David Spade and just let like, him have Like, hi, this is Eddie Murphy. I'd like to speak to David Spade, please. I'm pissed. I'm a pissed motherfucker. 
Uh, so after that, David Spade left in '96. He left SNL. Uh, he did not really mend that fence with Eddie Murphy until 2011. Oh shit! They just happened to run in, into each other and basically said, "Hey, sorry, sorry, you know, sorry." It's okay, David. So, <laughs> your Eddie Murphy impression, spot on. I love it. <laughs> love it. Let's go make a terrible movie together. <laughs> so, let's, you know, we'll kind of jump into what David Spade did. He did a lot of little parts in movies and uh, TV, actually. So, after he was uh, in Police Academy 4, he had little bit parts. So, just like one episode here or there. Yep. On the Facts of Life. Uh, power right. Hour the favorite. The Facts of Life? The Facts of Life. The Facts of Life? Learning the Facts of Life. They're all about you. They're all about you. You, you, Yes. Yes. As a as a Ute, I had a crush on Joe because she could fix motorcycles. <laughs> that just reminded me of something, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I did like Joe. I was not a fan of... Um, who's the other one? The, the prissy one. Blair. Blair. I didn't like Blair. No, nobody liked Blair. I like Joe though. Yeah, I yeah. Like Joe, him. Joe was my girl, uh, and Mrs. Garrett. So, um, yes, I do like Mrs. Garrett. Yeah, Mrs. Garrett. Yeah, she can make a mean quiche. You know, she was in a movie we're going to talk about probably next week. Mrs. Garrett was. Yeah, she probably well not in a movie. Not, we probably won't talk about it, but she was in. You don't mess with Zohan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if that... Zohan gave it to her. I, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. After he gave her the haircut. Nice. Nice. I want to see the director's cut of that. <laughs> I bet you do. So, um, he was also in uh, a Power Hour favorite, Baywatch, for a series. Yes. Played a character named BJ. Um, wasn't that Pamela Anderson? Oh, she was CJ. She was CJ. Yeah, okay. Um, and then he was also uh, in an episode of ALF. Uh, oh, and, 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 he was in one that we talked about a while back, Monsters. He was in an episode oh, of Monsters. Oh, yeah. That's I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was when we did our late night TV episode. You can go back and check that out in the archives. That's a good episode. It was a fun episode. Yeah, we talked a lot about uh, Freddy's Nightmares on that. So then he, he did a bunch of little short, like, cameos. Because he's not very tall. Yeah, you know, he's not. Uh, he was in uh, a movie called Light Sleeper. He played a theological cokehead. He was in uh, Coneheads as the INS agent that was trying to oh, yeah. deport the Coneheads. Uh, Eli Turnbull is his name in that. was in a short film called Buddy, where he played Buddy 2. So that must be animated because it says voice only. So, oh, yeah, it's a uh, visualization of Adam Sandler's audio skit where two buddies, two dudes, and two homies hang out on the train. Oh, shit. It was on one of Adam Sandler's comedy albums. Yep. Um, so, he is one of the buddies. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. What's up, buddy? What's up, buddy? What's up, buddy? Then he was in Reality Bites as the hot dog vendor. He's uncredited on that. Yeah. But then he kind of had a breakout role, and that was in PCU. Which I love this movie. 
I recall watching it, but I don't remember a lot about it. Like I asked you before if it was the one with the bulldog with the huge nuts. No. And that's Van Wilder. It's Van Wilder. This one's got Jeremy Piven in it. It's it's like and Van Jordan, Wilder, though, isn't it? It's like a pre-successor. Pre okay. Like, PCU would be like the sequel to Animal House, if there was a sequel. Ah, okay, gotcha. Van Wilder would be... The next one. Yeah. Okay, sure. gotcha, gotcha. If they, if you, if you did it like kind of like that, but well, okay. What the basic idea of the film is, um, there is a, uh, a. It's got George Clinton in it. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I remember this film. George Clinton, the Parliament Funkadelic. They play a concert. Yeah. Yes. Um. So there is a a preppy pre freshman who visits a. University, Port Chester University, or PCU, where fraternities have been outlawed and political correctness is rampant. During his, vixit, during his visit, he uh, makes enemies with nearly every group of students. I mean, like the entire student body. And, yeah. He pisses off. Pisses everybody more. off. And there is an ever-growing mob that's chasing him. Uh, he also finds himself in a war. Uh, he gets it's got John Favreau in it. Oh, okay, okay. He plays Gutter. He didn't exhale. Oh, yeah, I remember. Okay, see, I remember more and more about this the more we talk about it. So he, he finds himself in the middle of a war between rival groups, the Pit and Balls and Shaft. Balls and Shaft is the, the fraternity that David Spade is in charge of. Okay. And they're underground because fraternities have been banned. And... Balls and Shaft is, they're trying to get the fraternities reinstated. And the pit, uh, what is the pit? The pit is like, they're just, they just want to party. Yeah, they're, they're like the, they're like the Animal House group. Okay. Gotcha. They're like the Deltas. Okay. But instead of calling them, because they don't use fraternities, they're the pit. The, they're like a secret society type thing. Yeah. Well, no, no, the pit's not. Okay. The pit is just a group of fucking people who live in a house that live together. And they party. And they party. And they always get in trouble. The dean fucking hates them. Okay. In fact, everybody hates the pit. Everybody hates the pit. I don't hate the pit. I like the pits. Yeah, the pit's all right. Well, I mean, I'm 42 now, so... Yeah. I don't like getting in pits. No, I'm too damn old for that shit. I will throw a motherfucker into a pit. I know you will. You've done that many times. So, basically reading through this, there's a lot of shit we can't talk about. Because the whole idea of this movie is striking out against political correctness. And it seems like just about every, just about every group that is featured in here. They're against, and they are, they're pissing off. It's one of those... But the, well, the, they all get together at the end. Okay. So everybody who's everybody, they all get together at the end. Okay. So, I mean, you've got, I mean, you got your vegans. You got your, pro, or you got, you got your vegans and your protesters, which are kind of in the same group. Okay. And he gets the, the prefresh in this, gets caught throwing meat. <laughs> at the vegans for a vegan it's a peaceful vegan protest and he's throwing so meat the at guys him? from the pit start throwing meat at all these vegans okay and he 
comes downstairs, he's trying to leave, and he's got a big old T-bone in his pocket. Oh, God, that's funny. And so they're like, meet Tosser. And so they start chasing him. And then he runs through the, uh, the hippie Olympics, and he steals their Frisbee. So they start chasing him. Oh, wow. And he fucking trips over the power cord for all these computers. These guys are doing finals. They start chasing him. So the nerds are after the him. The nerds are after yeah. him. Um, nerds! You've got the... Oh, what the hell was it? There's a couple more groups that were after there's, him. It looks like there's a feminist group. Yeah, the feminist group, they, they're not after him, but they hate every... They hate all men. Yeah. And, and there... Yeah, there's... And Jeremy, and Jeremy Piven's character is going after one of the girls that are one of the feminists, which is his, like a girl he used to date. And the feminists are hate him when he comes up and talks to her, and he just eats it up. Okay. Well, see, I, I'm remembering bits and pieces. Of it. I know I watched it, but I couldn't tell you that much about it. So yeah, and you mentioned a bunch of a uh, bunch of great folks that were in this, um, and I think you actually hit all the the main ones. Well, like John Favreau is probably like I say one of the biggest names that came out of this movie. Yeah, Jer- well, Jeremy Piven's a yeah. pretty big name. Uh, John Favreau and uh, John Favreau he's doing all the Disney stuff he uh-huh. did he did like Iron Man and he directed all that he wrote those movies and shit he, like that so I mean he's just blown up yeah as a and he was in Swingers yeah he was yeah when he was skinny he was skinny yeah. John Favreau yes and then, uh, and then like I said David Spade the uh, the focus of this episode oh yeah and George Clinton and Harlan Funkadelic which they will brighten up any movie Yes, they will. Yes. A P-Funk. So after he was in PCU, he was in a couple things that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, because they will serve as a segue to the second half. Yep. But he did some uh, voices in uh, Beavis and Butthead from 93 to 95. Oh, did he? He was uh, Mr. Candy, Mr. Manners, the ticket uh, attendant. Just... Certain little one-off bits, you know, different episodes. But he he started doing some voice work, which is cool. He was in the very Brady sequel. He did a bunch of voices in Beavis and Butthead Do America. Oh no shit! And he was uncredited. Most of most of that cast was uncredited. Yeah, because the well, because the two main people other than Beavis and Butthead was uh, Bruce Willis and Demi Moore. Yes, and they they went uncredited because they didn't get their normal pay. They didn't get their normal pay. So I'm like uncredited. We don't know people that know we're in this movie, right? <laughs> but uh, then, then he was in what I feel is a very underrated film. It, it, a lot of people don't know about this movie. Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. I do like this movie. It this movie's hilarious. Joe Pesci, uh, Christy Swenson, and David Spade uh, are in this, and basically, it's a. Uh, Kind of a mafia. Did you say comedy. basically we? Basically we. Yes, Is that what I, you said? probably. Basically. Basically, uh, it's a uh, it's a, a mafia comedy. Um, Joe Pesci is uh, transporting a duffel bag full of severed heads across the United States to a crime boss to prove that these people that needed whacked got whacked. And he flies on an airplane, which, what else would you fly on? Yeah. Um, Helicopter. Yeah, possibly. But his bag is accidentally switched with another Medi- tourist. A medical doctor. Yeah, well, he... A medical student. Yeah, he's going to, to uh, 
he's going to Mexico to see his girlfriend. And so hilarity ensues because now this kid going to Mexico has eight heads of a duffel bag and Joe Pesci has his clothes. His clothes. So this is where David Spade comes in. He is one of the this uh, tourist, one of his friends. And they are trying to, they, they discover that they have these heads and they're trying to dispose of them. Well, they just start tossing them? Yes. Like leaving them in trash cans and shit? Yes. They, well, they, they, they try to bury them in the desert, but their car gets stolen. Yeah. So then they're just going to give the heads back, and uh, he accidentally puts a severed head in somebody else's carry-on bag, and that guy gets arrested because he has a head in his bag. They're just, they're trying to get out of Mexico. They got into Mexico with a bunch of severed heads. They can't get out now. And, uh, they, then, so the guy, the, the, the dad gets arrested or whatever. Um, cause that's whose carry on bag the head goes in. Yeah. And so now they got to save him. Meanwhile, David Spade and his couple buddies, they're trying to find replacement heads. So they start, like, going and, like, into laboratories and cutting off heads of cadavers that look like the, the mafia the heads that they the, needed. The, 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 the mafia heads. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's David Spade, this other dude, and Joe Pesci are doing that. And you know, Pesci's like, "Hey, he looks kind of like uh, what I need," and so they're trying to steal these heads. And break his nose a little bit, he'll be fine. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like that's exactly what he says. I too. think that's, yeah, he yeah, break his nose a little bit, he'll be okay, he'll be good. But the, so they start stealing heads off of dead bodies and and things like that, uh, and just yeah, hilarity ensues. Um, this film, if if you haven't seen it, watch it. It is it's fucking great. Oh yeah, yeah, it's like. There was a period in the the late '90s where these really dark comedies were popular. This is one of the best ones, and Joe Pesci in this role is great. But David Spade playing his role as the guy stealing heads, yeah, fucking the little one-liners and sarcasm just really kind of. Shows this is like one of the first. I want to say one of the first comedies that Joe Pesci did. Also, doesn't it? Um, Where did this come out? This was in 97. Oh, so... No, so he'd already is, done Home Alone. Yeah, he already did Home Alone or a couple yeah. other ones. But yeah, he wasn't... He, he didn't start out as a funny guy. Funny funny how? <laughs> how, how the fuck am I funny? <laughs> Do I make you laugh? Do I amuse you? <laughs> Do I amuse you? So, uh, after... after uh, who the fuck were we talking about? David Spade. Yeah. <laughs> After David Spade did that, he did a few other things. He was in a movie called Senseless. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that one. Let's see what it's about here. Senseless. It's senseless, though. Senseless violence. A student A student gets his senses enhanced by an experimental uh, drug, well, but this abuse is not Damon option. Wayne's or Marlon Wayne's. Marlon Wayne's. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember this film. I remember this film because the only part of the whole film I remember is when he was like zooming in on the girl's butt. Well, you know who's in this? Your brother is in this film. No way. Yes, Matthew Lillard. My brother, Matthew Lillard Chris. Yeah, <laughs> Matthew Chris Lillard. 
Hey, yo, that's his stage name is Lillard. Yeah, yeah. So, so, he doesn't let anybody know his real name. No, so that's just a secret between us. So if you were, if you know Matthew Lillard, you know, bring it up to him. Yeah, just call him Chris. Just, just say, call him Chris. I'm say, hey, what's up, Chris? He might ignore you, but... Yeah, he might know. not. He might act like he doesn't know what you're talking about, but that's his job. He's an actor. So just say, what's up, Chris? And if he's in a good mood, he will say, you must know Corey and Mikey. Yeah. Yeah. And if he doesn't, he's just filling your full shit. Yep, he's, he's just jerking your chain. Which, then you can say you had your chain jerked by Matthew Lillard. We're going to get a letter. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to... Quit talking about Matthew Lillard jerking chains. We're going to get a cease and desist letter. Matthew Lillard is not your brother. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is, damn it. I have proof. We grew up... To, I have a picture right here. Yeah, I carry a picture in my wallet. That is not Matthew Lillard. <laughs> he's a master of disguise. He's an actor, damn it. He's also a musician. Yeah. He's a very, very well-organized bass player. Yes. He, he played for Metallica. You don't know shit. He played for Metallica for years. <laughs> okay, so he also was in um, the Larry Sanders show as David Spade. He was a voice in the Rugrats movie. He was Ranger Frank. Oh, no shit. He was also in the Emperor's New Groove. He was. He was. We're getting there. Ah, shit. Jump the gun. Sorry. Yeah. Edit, edit, edit. No, I'm not editing <laughs> that. Uh, he was in a movie called Lost and Found. I ain't never heard of that. Well, let's see what that's about. Um, Lost and Found... In order to impress his beautiful French neighbor, Dylan Ramsey, who is David Spade, dog naps her pet pooch oh, so he can return him and become a hero. I remember this because he did, he danced, he did, he did a, he sang um, Neil Diamond for his like neighbor's friend's boss or some shit. Oh, really? If this is the movie I'm thinking of. But yeah, he steals the dog. Yeah, he steals a dog so he can return it and so he'll fall things go awry. Um... Yeah, it does not sound great. <laughs> it really doesn't. So I'll probably have to watch it. No, it's funny as shit, dude. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Um, oh, oh, during the credits, cast members dance around and lip sync to my jam. What's your jam? Groove is in the heart by D Light. Oh no shit! I love that. Oh, that's a good song. song. That's a good song. I love that song. That's awesome. Yeah, I love. Well, that, that's I'm glad I wasn't D Light the same people in the B fifty twos. No, not at all. They no. just had the same style. Same style, yeah. Um, but yeah, D Light they weren't around very long. But Groove is in the heart to fun. Were they German? Uh, I don't know. I thought they were. Maybe. I have no idea. I I don't I don't know. <laughs> it's a good song. I love the song. I I like that album, and I. I actually was in the uh, the minority. A lot of people were like, oh, yeah, Groove is in the Heart's a Cool Song, but they never really got into D-Light. I might still have the cassette tape. Your cassette, your D-Light cassette? I might still have it somewhere. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of dug it, you know? It was it was just a, a fun, poppy, throwback disco yeah, I mean, thing. I mean, it, it, dude, if you watch that video now, it screams 90s all over it. Oh, yeah, well, it screams... Uh, 60s slash 70s in the 90s. Yes. Because it's all like that disco and psychedelic. Well, that whole thing came back in the mid-90s. It did, yeah. Yeah. It's a, but the whole the whole album was good. It's like the 90s it coming back fun. now. Yeah, the 90s are coming back, so that shit's going to come back again. Which is cool with me because I still wear that same shit, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have, yeah. 
it's my my fa- it's my, my fashion style has not changed in the last twenty five years. Uh, my mine, yeah. I was never in style, so I wasn't either. <laughs> I just been out of style for my whole life. Well, I'm not wearing bugle boy jeans anymore. Those aren't bugle boy jeans you're wearing. No, they're not. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, so, yes, they are. <laughs> Damn it. Um, Line. So David Spade had this little uh, bit part in Loser, this film called Loser. I thought the movie was so dumb. I've never heard of it. Oh, never I hate seen it. it. He was a video store clerk, and it, and it was uncredited. It's got the it's got the American Pie guy in it, and the girl from American Beauty. Oh, uh, Jason Biggs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was when they He's were the pie fucker. He is the pie fucker. Um, it was when they were trying to do these weird. How do you? I can't even pronounce, figure out how do you describe it, it. They were like trying to do indie movies with yeah. a big budget. Yeah, it was an indie movie with a big budget. Yeah, so it, I, and it was just yeah. terrible, dude. I mean, people like this movie. I I watched it once. I was like. Well, there's two hours of my time I'm never getting back. It was like about this. Well, I don't know about the same time, but it was the same kind of genre of when they did Days to Confused and Suburbia. And yeah. So they were kind of indie looking uh, movies, but they had a budget and they had big names behind them. Kind of like uh, Empire Records. Okay, Empire Records is a great example. Yeah, that, yes. but, that, but that's actually a good movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, we will talk about that at some point. And then he was in The Emperor's New Groove. Yes. Who the hell? He was... He was the Emperor. Kuzco? Yeah. Is sure. that the Emperor? I, you know, I've seen this movie once. Emperor Kuzco. He was the Emperor. Yeah. So he had a starring voice role in The Emperor's New Groove. Alongside uh, John Goodman, Eartha Kitt, uh, Roger Bumpass. What's his name? Roger Bumpass. Nice, dude. Yeah, he he's uh, he does a lot of voices for uh, SpongeBob. Roger Bumpass, we like Roger Bumpass. Which voice does he do? Squidward. Oh yeah, I do like him. Uh, he does a bunch of them, but he's Squidward mainly. So yeah, the Emperor's New Groove. So so David Spade got to to dip his toe into the Disney pool a little bit there, which is good for him. And then he had what I feel is his breakout solo hit. Yeah. Uh, and this is, again, right on the verge of what we consider to be retro. This was in 2001. He was in a movie called Joe Dirt. I thought it was Dirtay. No, it's Joe Dirt. Oh, my best. Yes, that was a European release. Oh. So Joe Dirt, uh, American adventure comedy film starring David Spade, Dennis Miller, Christopher Walken, uh, Adam Beach, Brian Thompson, Brittany Daniel, Jamie Presley. Oh, yes. And Kid, Kid Rock. Motherfucking Rock from the old school. Old school Kid Rock. We were still cool. Well, he's got more money than Matchbox 20, and he gets more ass than Mark McGrath. I don't know about that. <laughs> he said it. He said it. Uh, I, like, I, like, I did love this movie because of Christopher Walken. I love this movie because of Jamie Presley. <laughs> I do like Jamie Presley. Um... Playing, ironically, playing almost the exact same role that she played in My Name is Earl. Yeah. Almost identical. Um, you're my cousin. You're my cousin. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm your just sister. kidding. <laughs> yeah, you're my sister. Yeah. Um, so, hey, you're talking to my man all wrong here. So the, How about I come over there and stab you in the face with a Saturn iron? Yeah. <laughs> so, the, what this is about is, it's a, uh, what they would consider a... a White trash young man, Joe Dirt, and I don't see that as an insult. 
you know, being white trash. No. You know, it's actually was, during this time frame especially, it was a very popular kind of subgenre to to wear your your white tank tops, to wear flannel shirts, to be, uh, have a mullet, to, you know, that's what they're talking about. And... Were bullets still around in 2000? Well, they were... For Joe Dirt. For Joe Dirt, yeah. It kind of came back because of Joe Dirt. I thought they came back because of something recent. Oh, they have. They're, they're back again. But they've always they've always been... They call it hockey hair. Yeah. It's always been around. Mullets have always been around. Um, I had a mullet. I had a mullet, too, when, when I was, was a little kid. When I was a little kid, yeah. And I had a rat tail as well. I, don't, I never had a rat tail. I did have a flop, though. <laughs> you had a flop? I did. That's funny. I never had a flop. I had a rat tail and I had a mullet. My brother was a skater, so I wanted to be like my brother. Ah, your brother was a skater boy? Yeah, he was. He was. Said see you later, boy? No, this is before, what's her name? Avril. Avril Levine, because she married the guy from Matchbox 20 or... Nickelback. Whatever, same thing. She married another guy, too, uh, from Sum 41, I think? Yeah. That might have been her original marriage. It might. Yeah, I think it was. I so, hope she got that money back, though. I... So... Nickelback... And we're here now with Nickelback. I look at this graph. <laughs> so Joe Dirt, Joe Dirt. At first, he looks like he's a loser, but he's traveling to search for his his parents because he was left at the Grand Canyon. Oh yeah, and they just as he is trying to find his parents and going on this adventure. They one by one they they reveal some of his more redeeming qualities, and he ends up finding a family of friends that are all people that he's helped, and they all respect him. So they all kind of bond together. So this movie is kind of like My Name Is Earl, yeah, in a way. Um, Except for they didn't have Buffalo Bob in My Name Is Earl. No. So mostly. The critical reception, which we'll get to later, it was negative, but it actually was a pretty popular film. It made a it, it, it gave it a sequel. Yeah, they got a sequel out of it. Uh, that was several years later, but um, so Joe Dirt is a janitor of a radio station, and Dennis Miller plays the DJ, the DJ, the shock like jock, a t- talk show host. Yeah, he's the he's the the, the Howard Stern basically. Yeah. Um, and he's like, "Give me that loser out there. Let's let's have some fun with him." And they interview him, and he starts telling this wild story about his life. You know, he had a mullet wig sewn onto his head because the top of his skull never formed. He was left at the Grand Canyon. At oh eight no! Years was old. It, did they have it sewn to his head? I think so. I it formed to his head. Oh, and they put it on the top of his skull never formed, and it grew to his head. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah okay. Um, he never knew his real last name. He went through a series of foster homes. He ran away, and uh, then he started trying to find his his parents. And then he does this cross country trip that uh, you know he meets all kinds of wild, and crazy folks, um, including Buffalo Bob from uh, a parody of Silence of the Lambs. He starts getting attention from the media. So, but that kind of helps him in his search. He works at an alligator farm. He works for uh, uh, a, a mobster in the witness protection program. He <laughs> he does all this crazy shit. 
and he finds where his parents used to be several times. So, basically, now he's on the radio. Yep. And he's looking for his family. And he... I don't... Did he ever find them? He found them. And they're scumbags. Oh, they, yeah, they were assholes. I, I remember that. They just wanted the money that he yeah. could possibly... That they thought he had. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, I mean, it, it, he just, he gets, he gets, he makes his own family, basically. Yep. Um, this movie, fucking hilarious. I love this movie. Uh, and like I said, I think that it kind of birthed a resurgence in that, you want to say, like, white trash chic. You know, the, the, the fashion of the, the white tank tops and the flannel shirts and... The, you know, wearing overalls, all that shit that's still around today. Yeah. You know, I think that Joe Dirt was responsible for bringing a lot of that back. But uh, let's see what, what people thought of this film. It opened at number four in the box office. Oh, no shit. With an eight million, over $8 million uh, opening week or whatever, weekend. It grossed t- over $27 million. Holy fuck. And that's just in the United States. Its worldwide total is almost thirty-one million. That's actually pretty good. It had a seventeen point seven million dollar budget, so it'd be considered a success. So, Metacritic, which we still don't know what the hell Metacritic is. Yeah, it's a it's a website that, uh, that one by re- Facebook reviews films, TV shows, and albums. Um. No, it has nothing to do with Facebook, I don't think. But anyways, they they had generally unfavorable reviews on it. Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 9% rating based on 76 reviews. Um, these, Rotten Tomatoes says, if you fall within the target audience of Joe Dirt, you might find it funny. Otherwise, the jokes will seem like a tired retread. Uh and on CinemaScore, it got a B-, minus, which isn't bad. No. And the movies like that, they're not for everybody. No. They're they're just stupid, fun shows. Yeah. Uh, Ebert and Roper, they both gave this a thumbs down. It's because they're not 20-year-old to 40-year-old men. No. Uh, Richard Roper, who took over for uh, Gene Siskel when he died, uh, he said that the storyline was absurd. Roger Ebert uh, agreed, but praised David Spade for taking on a different role than he's normally associated with, and added that his performance was convincing, despite the film's other shortcomings. Ebert says that Joe Dirt is one of his most hated films of all times, says that it is an alleged comedy, and said that what movies, including Joe Dirt, do not understand that the act of being buried in crap is not... In and of itself, funny. Yes, it is. It's fucking hilarious. They do it in all kinds of movies, and it's funny he every got, he, time. He got crap dumped on him. Yes. And then he ate he ate off of frozen crap from yes. a plane. Yes, he did. He's like, that's a space peanut. It's a space peanut. Dude, you were eating off that. In 2010, David Spade worked on a pilot with TBS... For an animated series based on Joe Dirt, but it never happened. Oh, that'd have been amazing. 
And then, of course, it did have a, uh, a sequel. This was after our time period, so we'll just mention it. 2014. Um, it was the uh, first ever made-for-digital sequel. Because they apparently did not plan on releasing it in theaters. Yeah, they... So, it was released in July 2015, and it got negative reviews. So... That's basically... Well, there's one other thing I wanted to mention here. And this is the absolute last thing he did that falls within our time frame. He did one episode on a TV series called Greg the Bunny. Oh, he was on Greg the Bunny. Yes. Uh, Greg the Bunny was... Uh, it was about puppets that were living in the United States. Yeah. And... Uh, they were trying to find uh, jobs and stuff. So he was in one episode playing himself. The episode's name, Welcome to Sweet Knuckle Junction. Sweet Knuckle Junction. Sweet Knuckle Junction. <laughs> Is that your sweet knuckle there? <laughs> You're cracking your sweet knuckles. So That's my intense fist. After that, David Spade kind of took off. He started doing bigger projects. Or you know, get into more mainstream uh, comedy roles. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he had a successful career, but up in in the point that we're talking about, his kind of his popularity hinged on a couple of films. You know that we mentioned. I love I love the stuff he does now, like with you know, like the, the grown ups movies. Oh yeah, where he's like the old single. Just pervert. Yeah, I think he's so funny. Yeah, he's he's hilarious. In, you know, in what the shit that he does. Or when he was in, um, like when he did uh, Tommy Boy. Yeah, he hit like a hairpiece. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and we'll, we'll talk about Tommy Boy and the, the stuff he did with Chris Farley after the break, because that that was kind of the pivotal point for I think David Spade is when they teamed up. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about? Aside from those two movies that he did with Chris Farley, what do you think about David Spade's career? I think uh, I think oh, he's had a great career. I think he's funny as hell. Yeah, and it continues on. He, the one thing I can say is, aside from a few standout roles, he never played anything but himself. He was a smartass. Yeah, he was a his character. And you know what? He gets he gets some like mad mad good looking women. Oh yeah, yeah, and I've heard he is has very much in common with Tommy Lee. Oh really? I heard he's got a lot in common like that. He can play drums. No, no. Oh, oh. He could. He, he definitely could be a tripod. <laughs> he can honk a bullhorn. He can honk a bullhorn. <laughs> that, and that's what I heard. Yeah. I mean, I I'll let, go ahead and Google that. All right. <laughs> I don't want to see it. So. David Spade's hog. <laughs> so David Spade, um, potentially uh, related to uh, George H.W. Bush. Really? Well, oh, he did, he did the. Oh yes, yes, yes. From yes. the last, that's a call. That, that's what we call a callback. Yes. From the last show. What does the H.W. stand for? He's David H.W. Spade. Huge winner. Huge wang. Anything else about David Spade we should talk about before we take a little break here? No. I'm going to look up see if that's true or not. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break while he Googles that, and we'll be right back.
After these messages, we'll be right back. You might think you know about school, but I got something to say to you. What are you, a narc? No, no, I'm, I'm a pre-frosh. An emissions arranged for me to uh, spend the night at, at your frat. Well, here's all you need to know. Classes, nothing before 11. Beer, it's your best friend, you drink a lot of it. Women, you're freshmen, so it's pretty much out of the question. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. Politically correct. What shall we eat? What happened to the ozone layer? It was last week. Well, now it's me. Let's do lunch. Pride of the Port Chester Sports Program, Tom. Hippie Olympics. Hey, it's the 90s. We'll take what we can get. Gays in the military now. Free Nelson Mandela. They tried him already. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time to revive an ancient tradition we seem to have long forgotten. You guys are talking about a party. Meet Dave and Dave are on beer. Toss them in back. Sunroof. All right. <laughs> What's everybody doing? Finishing their feces, buzzhead. What? Ah! Okay, on that side. That's good. Play Metallica and they will come. Can you get us in? Yeah, I think so. What happened to that cute preppy cake? You're gonna wear the shirt of the band you're gonna go see. Don't be that guy. You know, this place is kind of insane. PCU! Prepare yourself for initiation. Try to relax. Holy shnikes! Is that for me? No, son, that's for me. Yeah! <laughs> you know, a lot of people go to college for seven years. I know. They're called doctors. There's always has been, always will be a family firm. Oh, son of a... Someday my son will run. Luke. Luke. I am your father. Hello. Aw, I've interrupted happy time. That's my name. Yeah, that's your new office now. Whoa. Do we really want to put the future of the company in Tommy's hands? Promise me you'll look after Tommy boy here till he gets his feet wet. Sure, and thanks for choosing me. Hey, Tommy, this is not a vacation for me. I'm out here against my will, so the least you can do is pretend to work. Ugh, I can actually hear you getting fatter. All right, it's sale time, so remember, we don't take... No for an answer. No. Okie dokie. I'm gonna pass. Gotcha, thanks. Oh, son of a... That's gonna leave a mark. Okay, let's check you out. All right. <laughs> it's a clip on. Hi, are you sure? He's a big dumb animal, isn't he, folks? No, son of a...
What'd you do? Did you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? <laughs> Why? Al Donnelly might just be the next governor of Washington State. All the way to the Capitol! There's only one small problem. His brother, Mike. What the hell is a marquee doing here? His heart is in the right place. Unfortunately, the rest of him never is. We've got to keep this bozo under wraps. So now they have to find someone. Then I am your man. To keep him under control. Okay, good first day. I want you to do exactly as I tell you. Yeah, okay, keep talking. I know a place way outside of town. Bunk beds. I got dibs on tap. <laughs> okay. I got dibs on top, bug. Shut up! So what do you want to do today? What's that black thing? Whoa! Ah! What are you doing? Ah! Give these guys my belt. Boy, I feel like a horse's patoot. Paramount Pictures presents. Are you or are you not the Black Angel of Death? Chris Farley. Power to the people! Oh God, I'm a dead man. David Spade. Hey, gang. Is there an Opie convention in town? The nitrous oxide's leaking into the car. <laughs> in a new comedy from the director of Wayne's World. Check this out. This whole fridge is held up here just by this plug. <laughs> Black sheep. You okay? I'm just dandy. I got a bowl of chocolate pudding in my underpants. We didn't have any pudding in there, buddy. There's one in every family. Men, we're about to embark on an unprecedented adventure to the great Northwest. Now get in the boat! It's a journey through uncharted wilderness. Tell the men what they might expect to encounter. Once there was a hawk. Pluck the man's eyeballs out of his sockets. Fear will be our breakfast. Don't take her. Take me instead. Put your hands on your hips. No, I think I'll still keep the woman. It's an undertaking of epic proportion. Haircut and a shave. By the way, uh, you smell like something that's been passed through the system of a sick old woman. Maybe I'll have a bath, too, then. It's the first great American road trip. We come in peace! You are surrounded by an army of Indian braves. They got names like Soaring Eagle and 
Others, too. Maybe if we wait a couple hours, they'll die of old age. <laughs> They're almost famous. I'd love to have you alone for just two minutes. Ah, my hair is getting to you, isn't it? They're almost legends. I hope Satan himself burns the flesh from your miserable bones. Chris Farley. Good God, lady. Matthew Perry. Great things are in store for us. They're almost, and this is for your own good, heroes. They're headed this way! Blazing a trail to a theater near you. Now this should dull your senses. In the secret clan of the ninja, there is a legend that foretells a foreign child will come among them and become a ninja master, unlike the world has ever seen. They believed this was the child. They were wrong. Now, Hello? a mysterious stranger needs his help. I must go to the hills of Beverly, find Sally Jones and save her. Goodbye, everyone! They're going with him. No, please. Anything but that. <laughs> he must return to the land of his birth. What are you doing here? I have come many miles and now travel disguised as a pimp to help you. And use the ancient teachings of the ninja. You're a ninja? You know, I took a few karate lessons myself. I mean, I'm not as advanced as you. I'm what you might call a tangerine belt. To seek out the truth. I am preparing one of our greatest ninja tools, the laughing mushroom. <laughs> Family! It's a killer! Wow. He killed her sister! <laughs> and prove to the world... I am one with the universe. I am one with the universe. No, I am not! ...that he is the Great White Ninja. My identity must remain secret. I cannot reveal it to you. Why not? Because I would then have to kill you. Daddy! Everybody was TriStar Pictures presents... A film that puts the mortal back in combat. Chris Farley. I am a trained master in each of the weapons of battle. Man, that was dope! Beverly Hills Ninja. What a fool I was. back so Corey has some news for us on the david spade wiener situation it is not true he said that the women he dates just tell people that so it gives them a reason to date him okay well just because he's a nice guy and funny isn't a good enough reason yeah i mean what the fuck so but anyways so we know that some of you were uh were wondering not true so he's average like the rest of us yeah well yeah, most of us. Uh, uh, I'm below average. <laughs> I make it work. So we're going to move on to what is widely considered David Spade's partner in crime. Yeah. David Spade's most notable co-star. And we thought he was in more movies together. Uh, yeah, it surprised me. This is one of the things that shocked me. They were in two movies together. Yeah. But those two movies must have really... 
had a huge impact. Been impactful to both their careers because we forever associate the two of them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they did have good interaction. That's Chris Farley. Uh, a little about Chris Farley. Uh, he was known for his loud, energetic comedy style. He started out in Chicago's Second City Theater. Another Second City guy. Yeah, this, this SNL and Second City kind of uh, went hand in hand. Um, it seems like. It was Second City, and then there was that one in Canada. Um, the Groundlings? Yeah. Yeah. Those, it seemed like those two kind of... They were all... They connected. drew off of each other a lot. Uh, so Chris Farley, born February 15th, 1964, in Madison, Wisconsin. He looked like a Wisconsin boy. He did look like a Wisconsin yeah. boy. Yeah. Uh, he grew up in Maple Bluff. He's actually buried in Wisconsin. Is he? Yep. Under a mound of cheese. I don't think it's a mound of cheese, but... I mean, it could be. Well, yeah, was, maybe. I think cheese had to do with his... Uh, his demise. That was his diet. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, his father, Thomas John Farley Sr., owned an oil company, and his mother, Mary Ann, was a homemaker. He had four siblings, Tom Jr., Kevin, John, and Barbara. I bet any of them that were younger than him were fucking tortured. Oh, guarantee it. <laughs> well, I was reading, I know, like, like two of his brothers are actors, One's a musician, and his sister's a teacher. Yeah, uh, John and uh, Kevin are both actors. Um, Kevin actually kind of looks like him. Yeah, I've seen him and stuff. I've yeah. seen this. I've seen John, John and stuff, but I can't picture for a life. I mean, he almost looks well, like see. Kevin Nealon. Let's see what he what, what he's done. He was in Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, Beverly Hills Ninja. He was in Every all the shit that uh, he he is in. Um, most of these movies that we have mentioned and uh, movies that we will mention next week because he's, it looks like he's in the Happy Gilmore family. Oh, he's in the Happy Madison? Happy Madison. I always fucked that up. Yeah, he's in the Happy Madison family. He's done a lot of stuff with uh, Chris Farley, with David Spade, with um, Adam Sandler, and also uh, uh, Rob Schneider. So, yeah, he's, he, and he's also done a lot of television as well. Yeah. Um, the other brother, uh, Kevin, let's see what he's done. Oh, it doesn't really say a whole lot. Um, oh, he was in a Nickelback music video. Yeah. Which is the one with the graph? Uh, no, he was a kidnapped beer truck driver in... This afternoon by Nickelback. There ain't no one kidnapping that big son of a bitch. No. Um, he also was on Tom Green's uh, Tom Green's house tonight, where he performed a stand-up routine. Um, he was in a documentary about Chris Farley. He was in Paranormal movie. He was in the Paranormal movie. Yes. He. Oh, he directed it. Which movie? Paranormal movie. It's called Paranormal Movie. It's a spoof on Paranormal Movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. He directed and co-stars in Paranormal Movie. So he's a director as well. Um, He's been in some Always Sunny. He was in a uh, Rascal Flatts video. Oh. Alongside Christy Swanson. Oh. He was in Joe Dirt. He was in, and then he's done a lot of, you know, all that other shit. 
Oh, oh, he was uh, Bud the Janitor on Drake and John, the Nickelodeon show. I don't even know what that is. Was that Josh and Drake? Drake and Josh. Who's Drake and Josh? I thought, I thought it was Josh and Drake. Drake and... No, it, it, no it's, Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But he was in that. They're brothers or something like that. So, yeah. So, yeah, he's got a couple of famous siblings. Um, went to, went to uh, Catholic school. And... That's interesting. Kind of seeing how his life turned out. Yeah. That he was raised so, you know, Religious. strict. Well, strict, yeah. I would say. You know, maybe that's why it turned out that way. They said he would always make it to Mass. Um, Chris Farley make it to Mass. Chris Farley always made it to Mass. Uh, his summers were spent as a camp counselor at Red Arrow Camp in Minnetonka, Wisconsin. Wisconsin got a lot of them crazy names. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, he was in. He graduated Marquette University with a double major, communications and theater, and he played rugby. I didn't know he played rugby. He's he's a, looks like a rugby player. He likes cheese. So he's just got that. That. Uh, the hell's his name? You think about a famous rugby player? No. Famous actors who've died on Saturday Night Live. What the hell's his name? Um, Belushi. Oh, yeah. Belushi. He's got that Belushi curse. Oh, yeah, yeah. He really. I think they were the same age. I believe they were the same age. I think that's at 27, I think. That's at 27. 27. I I think it's 27. You look at all the actors and musicians who've died at 27, like Cobain. Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. Belushi. Belushi. So. Um, after college, he went to work Keith at Keith Ledger. Was he? One yeah, of, oh, he was really? Seven. Um, after college, he worked for his father's oil company, Scotch Oil Company, in Madison, and that's where he started doing improv comedy at the Arc Improv Theater. I thought it was Callahan Callahan Motors. That's something different. Oh, uh, it's kind of weird that his life parallels that, though. It really does. And then he eventually made his way to Chicago. He uh, performed at the first Improv Olympics. And then he uh, attended the Second City Theater. At the same time, or the same day, the same day he, he went to... Oh, he was 33 when he died. Oh, well, that's, he, he made it a little longer then. So he attended Second City Theater, and he started the same day as Stephen Colbert. Oh, no shit. Yes. So he was in their touring group, and then he eventually got promoted to their main stage in 89. And he was a cast member for three shows. Nice. Then he went to SNL in early 1990. And there was a group on there that they all collaborated together. It was Chris Rock, Adam Sandler, Tim Meadows, Rob Schneider, and David Spade. And Chris Farley, known as the Bad Boys of SNL. No, oh, that's great. We talked about all of his great characters in the first show of this series yep. that we did. So let's uh, let's jump into some of the. Well, well, yeah, let's jump to the end because I don't want to do the end at the end because that makes it too sad. Yeah, that's not the way we want to end the show. Um, so he did he did pass away uh, at age thirty three, and. He, you know, he battled addiction. He battled alcoholism. Um, so, that, I mean, it's, it's kind of a serious 
Well, it wasn't even the alcohol that killed him, though. No, no, it was it was the drug overdose. Yeah, he took a he had a speedball. Yeah, cocaine and morphine. Um, but he also had uh, a lot of heart disease as well. He had a lot of, of heart issues, Couldn't, you know, clogged arteries and things. But then it goes with you know because his dad was a big heavy set guy. Yep. And so was he. Yep. And with, and with as active as he was, I mean, you'd think he would have dropped some of the weight with all the stunts and shit he pulled. And right. How, how how physical he was. How physical? Yeah. yeah. He was. I mean, he was just over the top physically, and he you know you'd think it you know, he was it would catch up to him, but it was his diet that what which part of it which killed him. Right. Right. Um. So yeah, December eighteenth, nineteen ninety seven. He was uh, he was found in his apartment by his younger brother John. Um, he had passed away of uh, of cocaine and morphine overdose. And this is what got John Goodman to start dropping weight. Yes, it is. So here's where okay here's where the confusion was. He was thirty three years old. His career, his private life, and his death. Have been compared to John Belushi, who also died at 33, 33 years old. We were wrong, so we were wrong at the age, but and in a similar way. Yeah. So, where Belushi was his idol, it was Belushi was his idol his entire life, and his his death basically yep. mirrored his idol, which is really weird. Um. So he uh, he did get a in in uh, two thousand five, he did get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, he had a biography that came out. I still need to watch it. I think it's gonna be. I think that'd be great. The uh, on the Red Hot Chili Peppers 1999 album Californication, they made a song called Purple Stain, and it contains the lyric, "Farley is an angel, and I can prove this," as a tribute to Chris Farley. Oh, nice. Uh, then there, yeah, like I said, there's a documentary, and in 2018, Adam Sandler wrote and performed a very emotional tribute song. Dedicated to Farley, during his Netflix stand-up special. Yeah, I watched that. That was a good. That was a good song. Adam Sandler, one hundred percent fresh. That was. It was a great song. Because him, him and Sandler were like best friends. Yeah, they were. I mean, that whole group. They were all really close. Yeah. So, let's pick up the mood a little bit, and we'll start talking about his career, his films. So his first movie that he was in was Wayne's World. Yeah, he played the security guard. That knew way too much. That way, knew way too much about Mr. Big. He did a couple TV spots where he just was on one episode. The Jackie Thomas Show, which I don't know what that is. I don't either. And Roseanne. He was uh, the man in the clothing store. So he was just a dude. A dude in the clothing store. the clothing store. Then he was in Coneheads. He was Ronnie the Mechanic in Coneheads. Yep. And he was the, he was the, the, the daughter's boyfriend. But yeah. He and said, I've never seen a woman take a sub like that, except for my, my mom. mom. <laughs> uh, so he did have a prominent role in Coneheads. So I guess you could consider, you know, Coneheads being one of his first breakout roles. Yeah. You know. I would say um, so. Just, just because the rest of it was all kind of bit parts. That also led to him being in a Red Hot Chili Peppers music video, Soul to Squeeze, which was on the Coneheads soundtrack. Yep. And I, I, that's one of my favorite Chili Pepper songs. Um... Then he was in Wayne's World 2 as Milton, a member of Wayne and Gar's little posse. And they all dress the same. Yes. Uh, and then he was in Airheads. Played a character named Wilson in Airheads. 
I've seen Airheads. I do not remember him in it. I don't remember a lot about Airheads. I I I don't remember him being in Airheads unless he was like another security guy in the background, but he wasn't part of the. He wasn't in the music studio. Or he wasn't the the record studio. Um, or the radio station. He wasn't in the radio station. And so he must have been out. Oh no, he was a cop. Oh, was he? He was a cop, and he was trying to stop the crowd, and they just ran him over. Okay, okay. So, you know, it. this, I think, is just kind of evident, you know, with him being in Wayne's World, him being in Airheads, it's evident that that group of guys really kind of took care of each other. Oh, yeah. You know, almost probably insisted, hey, you know, if we need a cameo, we want Chris Farley. We want this, you know, Adam Sandler, whoever. You know, we want we want to put them in a, in a little role just so they get some screen time. Uh, just like he was in Billy Madison as the bus driver. Yeah. Which we'll we'll talk more about that next next week. I'll turn this bus around. Yeah. <laughs> and your precious little film trip. That Veronica Vaughn is one hot piece of ass I know personally. No, you don't. Well, I got this friend and him and her got it on. No, they didn't. No, yeah, you can uh, you can imagine, though, can't you? Yes, I can. <laughs> and then he got his his first big starring role. Uh, and this is one that he was in with David Spade. This is one of the two. And that's Tommy Boy. Uh, Tommy Boy, again, another buddy adventure. Um, they And Lorne Michael actually produced this. And... They, it tells the story of a socially and emotionally immature man, Chris Farley, who learns lessons about friendship and self-worth following the sudden death of his father. Uh, they, basically he takes over his the, dad's his company. Dad's company. Uh, that's the plan. That, yeah, that's the plan. After his dad suddenly passes away. So... He, he it, it mirrors his life, actually. Uh, the character went to Marquette University, much like Chris Farley. Mm-hmm. Um, returns to Sandusky, Ohio, and tries to get an executive job at his father's auto parts plant, Callahan Auto. Uh, so his dad decides, he reveals that he is going to marry Bo Derek. And... and this, again, you got to remember, this is not young Bo Derek. No. This is old Bo Derek. Yes. Not the same. And her son is going to become Tommy's new stepbrother. And that son is played by Rob Lowe. But the father dies at the wedding reception. So... They want... The bank decides they're going to pull their funding... Of the new division that they were starting, the brake pad division. Brake pads. And they want an immediate payment for all the, the debt. So Tommy, Chris Farley, suggests a deal. He'll let the bank hold his shares and the house in exchange for them giving, the bank giving them enough time to sell the brake pads to prove that this new division will be profitable. If enough brake pads are sold by the deadline, the bank will grant the loan. So, they set out on a cross-country sales trip with 
It's Tommy Boy and Richard Hayden, played by David Spade, who is the father's assistant, and he just is pissed all the time. Yeah, he's he's just an angry little man. He's annoyed with Tommy's immaturity and poor work ethic. So, uh, as it progresses, Beverly, played by Bo Derek, and Paul, played by Rob Lowe, are seen kissing. And it's revealed that they are not mother and son, but they are con artists who are married. And they are trying to get control of the company. So, there are cameos by Dan Aykroyd in this. He's the Auto Parts King, uh, Ray Zielinski. Yeah, he's the Auto Parts King of Chicago. So, they basically, they, they go on this wild adventure across country. All kinds of shit happens. Uh, they, it, it's, it's just hilarious. And you've got Rob Lowe constantly trying to sabotage their efforts. And, you know, he, he hacks into the computers. And so none of the sales records get get posted. And so they're trying to sell the shares and all that to Dan Aykroyd. Yep. Uh, this movie, it's, it's just... I mean, it, it, it was funnier than shit. Uh, it's got every... Almost every scene in it is great. Yeah, I mean it's it's, and it's got a you know a pretty decent cast you know with Chris Farley, David Spade, Bo Derek, Dan Aykroyd, Brian Dennehy plays the father. That fucking Brian Dennehy. Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell's Brian Dennehy? What would Brian Botano do? Uh, and then of course Rob Lowe. Who are you? I'm Brian Dennehy. No, not fucking Brian Dennehy. Rob Lowe was uncredited in this film. Seriously? Yes. He didn't get the money he wanted. Uh, and that's what we're learning. Whenever someone's uncredited, they did not. They did not get union scale. I always thought. I always thought it was they didn't want to be. Re- they didn't want to have their name associated with the movie because it was bad. Yeah. Well, if it was that bad, why would they do it? You know. But it, no, it's it's you know largely so they don't get in trouble with the uh, the Screen Actors Guild. Yeah. For not for for going against the uh, the set union wage, which. Oh. You know, that, that's just something we've learned by doing this show, actually. There's a lot of set union wages. So, Tommy Boy opened March 31st of 95. Grossed $8 million in its opening weekend. Finishing first at the box office. And its total gross in the box office was $32.7 million. Nice. So, Rock- I mean, it made a pretty penny. Yeah, I mean, it did, it did well. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has given it a 42% approval rate. They don't know anything. But that's still a pretty good for them, you know. Uh, their review of it is, though it benefits from the comedic charms of its two leads, Tommy Boy often feels like a familiar sketch tr- sket, sketch stretched thin. That was hard to say. Sketch stretched thin. Sketch stretched thin. Sketch. Sketch. Uh, Metacritic... Gave it 42 out of 100, and it has mixed or average reviews. And CinemaScore gave it an A-, minus, which that's pretty good. Yeah, that's actually not bad. Los Angeles Times said it's sweet-natured and a good belly laugh of a movie. 
Uh, the Online Film Critics Society also gave it a positive review. And they said that it would please Farley fans, which is what it was kind of set out to do. Uh, and Broomfield Enterprise said it's Farley at its best. And that's pretty damn funny. All of the SNL peers praised Farley's performance in this film. And Dan Aykroyd even said that it showcased Farley's quality and range as an actor. And Aykroyd, actually, I heard he doesn't like a lot of other actors. No. So that's actually pretty, pretty impressive. Good, yeah. Uh, Jay Moore also. Well, probably because his best friend was James Jim Belushi. Right. And he'd probably seen a lot of that. Of John Belushi. Or John Belushi, yeah. sorry. And, and Farley. Right. Uh, Jay Moore, also from SNL, said that audiences were able to see Farley's sensitive and vulnerable side from this film. That was the boat scene. Yes. Uh, it, which is hilarious. The boat. It's sitting it's, it's, it's like at a 45 degree angle. <laughs> and he's trying to be so nice because he has the girl in there with him. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, excuse me. Cheaper. It's like, wait, why don't, why don't you guys just go on home? Go just you know, and then when he gets pissed, then she jumps up and like says, "I'm gonna do things to you that your mother will give your mother nightmares or whatever." I know where you live, and I've seen where you sleep. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh shit!" They take off. Uh, Roger Ebert gave this film one star out of four, writing that Tommy Boy is one of those movies that plays like an explosion down the screenplay factory. You can almost picture a bewildered office boy, his face smudged with soot. Wandering through the ruins and rescuing pages at random. Too bad they didn't mail them to the insurance company instead of filming them. This film also is on Ebert's most hated list. So well, how did these guys get to become film critics? They watch, um, we watch movies and talk about them. Why don't we get paid for this? We will someday. I want to be a film critic. I mean, we would like. I would pick. Like the shittiest movie and say, you know what, this movie is That's fucking amazing. Great. Yes. Uh, the New York Times said that the film was a poor cousin of a dopey Jim Carrey movie. So you know it's got to be bad. Yeah. Uh, they, they obviously did not like it. Uh, and the Mountain Express said it's a passable, funny star vehicle, but nothing great. Bo Derek was nominated for a Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress. Oh, I can see that. So, I mean, I think Tommy Boy's hilarious. And you gotta be pretty bad in a movie to get a Razzie. Yeah, and she wasn't really in it that much. No. I mean, she was, but... She she had maybe ten scenes? Yeah. Um, so let's see if there's any... I mean, there, she, the only best scene she had was when she came out of the pool. <laughs> okay, so here here's some trivia about Tommy Boy. Rob Lowe insisted on being uncredited because he wanted his appearance to be a happy surprise after the ship, sh the script shifted focus. You know, once it centered more around him yeah. and his involvement, he wanted it to be a surprise. Oh, no shit. Nice. So, Rob Lowe was playing tennis with Lorne Michaels and Lorne told him that he was going to start filming Tommy Boy and was considering him to play the part of the brother. And he ended up taking a part as a favor to Lauren Michaels. That's actually pretty cool. So that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's kind of neat. Uh, during the filming, Chris Farley and David Spade got into a physical altercation on set. 
Really? They landed in Toronto on an early Sunday morning after doing SNL in New York. So they're fucking both tired. Farley was not feeling well, went up to his hotel room. David Spade was not thinking anything of it. He called Rob Lowe and they went out to the bar to have a drink. Farley found out that they went out and became jealous and would angrily stare at Spade and ask him, So, how's Rob Lowe? Oh my god. Spade tried to explain and reminded him, Word off the wire is that you were sick. But Farley was not going to hear that bullshit. Later that day, they were going to shoot a scene, and David Spade was sitting on the ground eating a tuna sandwich and going over his lines, and Farley was smoking a cigarette, still staring at him and asking, How's Rob Lowe? (laughs) Spade got annoyed with him, and uh, at this point, he he got pissed, and uh, Farley was kind of pissed that the scene wasn't really going anywhere, so he went over to David Spade and stomped on his hand with the tuna sandwich in it. Holy shit. Spade responded by throwing a Diet Coke on him, to which Farley threw Spade into a wall, pushed him down a small set of steps, and before things got too violent, the walkie-talkie called action. They composed themselves and walked on to set. Then when it was time for David Spade to say his line, he couldn't speak, so he stormed off his the set into his trailer the director called Cut. Farley went to his trailer. Spade refused to continue the film. So David Farley was so mad that he needed to hit someone, so he tackled the director's assistant, Skippy. Oh, God. Who was about the same weight and build as Chris Farley. And uh, then after that, David Spade and Chris Farley would sometimes go hours without speaking to each other, and they would communicate with each other through the director, writer, and producer. Holy shit. So they... They didn't care for each other for a period of time. Yeah, uh, David. Well, that's kind of like that's kind of like like Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor too. They had, yeah, they had beef. Yeah, but then they squashed it. Uh, David Spade said the fat guy in the little coat routine began as a joke between him and Chris Farley when they shared an office together at Saturday Night Live. Uh, Farley would often break up the monotony of their writing time by repeatedly pranking Spade with this idea. He would always insist that he had new material to show Spade and then would turn around to reveal it once again to be the fat guy in a little coat coat. joke. David Spade said that he and Farley decided to use it for the movie thinking it was funny for them and it might be funny for others. And 25 years later, we're still talking about it. We're still talking about it. Um, What else do we have here? It took five weeks to get the shot of the deer standing on the car in that scene. Um, was it an actual deer? They gave the car to a trainer who fed a deer and let it eat and poop in and around the car for a month so that the deer could get used to it before they could bring the cameras in and get the shot they needed. Oh, shit. David Spade refused to let the set stylist work on his hair. The accounts, This accounts for his hair's tousled appearance during the film. Crew members who joked that his hair looked like a toupee which led to the gag where Richard's hair flies back, and that was a late addition in the film. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Chris Farley was known for his coffee addiction by everyone on set, especially Bo Derek and David Spade, where Farley would have up to 27 cups of cappuccino every day, and sometimes three at a time before the next scene. Oh, my God. So that can't be good for the heart. Oh, holy shit. Chris Farley ended up dating... Lori Bagley, who was the woman at the pool. 
This caused tension between him and David Spade, because David Spade was friends with Lori. Uh, he later introduced her to Chris, and they all hung out together. Oh, the girl, he was like, you see the, you know, the weight room's at? Yes. Uh, David got pissed because he was interested in her as well. So, but he ended up introducing him. Uh, so, Rob Lowe almost had to drop out of the film because they couldn't get it scheduled right. And the next actor in line to play that part was Matthew McConaughey. That would not have been... That would not have been. I don't think that would have worked very... It wouldn't have worked as good. But he got things rearranged where he could actually appear in the film. And... The original working title of this film was Billy the Third, a Midwestern. And they didn't want to interfere with the Billy Madison movie that was being developed around the same time. Yep. So they changed the name. Tommy Boy. The other names considered were Fat Chance and XL before they settled on Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy is probably the best title out of all that. Um, Roseanne Barr was scheduled to appear in the film, but her scheduling did not work out. So this is one of the movies that Chris Farley did his own stunts for, as far as comedic stunts. I heard he stuck his head up a bull's ass. <laughs> he did. He actually did that. So they wanted to get a professional stuntman for doing like the uh, the falls into the tables and shit like that. Yeah. And Farley's like, I could do that myself, and he did. So, and I never knew him as much of a, a stuntman, but he was. Tommy says son of a ten times throughout the film. Son of a, that's going to leave a mark. And, and one of, the, one of the, the funniest bits that we still use is, doesn't quite hurt here. Not right here, but right in here. Uh, that's from Oh, me. what happened to your face? Ha, I knew it. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Shut up, Richard. There was a, a little joke that they worked in there about Bo Derek's character when she came out of the pool. Yeah. And Tommy says, whoa, Dad, she's like a 10. That's because Bo Derek and Brian Dennehy appeared together in the movie 10. Oh, no shit. Yes. Um, Christian Slater was considered to be, to play the David Spade part. That wouldn't have worked. No. Wouldn't have been as funny. And, uh... They all. They also want. They also wanted to use the title Rocky Road, for this movie, which wouldn't. I don't. Tommy Boy's a perfect. Yeah, Rocky Road wouldn't. Would not have worked. Yeah, this is. A, it's a perfect. Uh, so if they did that, there would have been. There's. There better have been some free ice cream at the premiere. It takes inspiration from the Shakespeare play Hamlet, which is interesting. Oh, I can see that. The father's killed, and yeah, the father dies. So, in the scene, in the in the boat scene that we talked about. Chris Farley was trying to get himself to cry, but he couldn't. So he started poking himself in the eye with his finger, which creeped out the director. And he got the tears, and they shot the scene, and Farley left, because they were rapping for the day. Yeah. But then they said something happened to that part of the movie, and they had to call him back to shoot the scene again. But they couldn't reschedule it because they didn't know... They thought the lake might be frozen because they were shooting in Toronto. Oh, shit. So... 
Chris Farley was still poking himself in the eyeball. So they had to, you know, they had to redo it. And he had to poke himself again, like this, just like that. Yeah, quit poking yourself in the eye. Look at this. Stop. Check it out. The cow tipping scene was an idea that Rob Lowe pitched to writers. And after the film came out, people kept walking up to David Spade to ask him if that was his real hair. Because, oh, no shit. Yes. That's fucking funny. Uh, apparently, there's a scene where, at the motel pool where a woman removes her bikini bottom, and you can see that they have a brown lining inside of them, and many people think that she actually has shit her pants. Maybe she did. It's possible. I... They shot three variations of the housekeeping scene. One where uh, Chris Farley was in funny boxers. One where he was in funny bikini briefs. And once where he was actually naked from the waist down. The he, ca- wasn't he, he was in like a bikini, wasn't he? I think so. He's like, oh, Richard. They, uh, they agreed that the naked one was the funniest version. And in one of the takes, he was very... Uh, doing a very exaggerating movement with his body where he was swinging his body around and his penis kept popping into the shot. And they knew that they could not use that. Yeah. And they knew that they did not want that those scenes to get out where his penis was in the, the movie. So they burned the negatives of that take. So oh. they would never get out. That's a good idea. Because that scene was an inside joke between David Spade and Chris Farley. And, you know, David Speed would always knock on Farley's door while he was asleep and say housekeeping. Yeah. And Chris would get more and more pissed off. And one day he... Let me sleep for the sweet mom of God! Yeah, one day they said he got pissed. He opened the door and he saw it was just David Spade. But they said that he fell for the joke every morning. So they worked it into the movie. Oh, fuck. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, I mean... That's uh Okay, so just to just to illustrate the immaturity of the comedy on the set. Yeah. When he has the M&Ms and he puts them on the dashboard of the car. Oh yeah. And you, they all roll into the dash. You can see that there's a hand-drawn price on the package of 69 cents. That's one of many sexual jokes that are placed in the movie. Oh my god. That are just little if you don't pay attention, you don't see it. Uh Apparently, there's a ton of them. And apparently, in the scene after the uh, the cow tipping, where he's all muddy and, yeah. and Rob Lowe's washing the mud off of him, it was under, it was 20 degrees. Or, or it was oh, below 20 fuck. degrees. So Chris Farley had to wear a wetsuit under his clothing. So he wouldn't. So he wouldn't freeze his ass off. Yeah. So. The cast and crew were struggling to come up with funny scenes. So they just wanted to know... They asked They asked people, what are some funny things that happened to you for in real life? So here are some things that the cast and crew came up with to be funny. Uh, when Tommy tries to get closer to the gas pump and he ends up breaking the... Oh, yeah, swinging the door all the way open. Swinging the door open. That happened to the director in real life. When, when he... Broke the door off of his car. Yeah. Um, What'd you do? When Tommy leaves the oil can under the hood, causing the hood to fly up later, 
That happened to the writer, Fred Wolf. Oh, my God. I, when uh, Tommy and Richard are singing along to Superstar, it's based off something that happened to David Spade. He was in a car with his girlfriend. He mistakenly left the CD of the Carpenter's Greatest Hits in the player, so he turned on the radio, and the Carpenter started playing right away, and he was embarrassed trying to act like he didn't want to hear it and started messing with the dial and asking where the rock and roll stations were. Yeah. So that's that, you know, that they drew from that. And uh, it was David Spade's idea to, to put the Carpenter song in there. When they were singing? Due to that, when they were singing, yes. Um, and then there was one, I, one part where they didn't know what to do. They just let him do whatever. Yeah. It was the hook scene, but Farley froze up. He didn't know what to do. So they were like, okay, we need to have some sort of idea. We need to give them just a, a starting point and just let those two run. Because it's easier to do improv if they know, okay, here's what you're going to be working with. Go. Okay. You know, and here's where you need to end up. They basically gave them a beginning and an end and let them fill in. So, I. Uh, there were some times when it didn't work out the way that they wanted it to, but they went with it. Um, like the one part where they're trying to avoid the cops and... Oh, the bees. They get the Yeah, they get attacked by bees. Bees don't come out at night. No. But it worked in that scene. So... But, I mean, all in all... Isn't there a song like that? But bees don't come out at night? And bees come out at night? I don't know. All in all, I mean, kind of a funny, funny-ass movie, you know? Um, they had decent, a decent soundtrack. Uh, the Funk Junkies did a cover of "I Love It Loud" by Kiss. Yeah, I love the Funk Junkies. I do like the Funk Junkies. Roughest pit I have ever been in. Really? At the Funk Junkies? You know, yes. I, for, I, for a long time I thought they're from Omaha. No, they played Omaha a ton. Yeah, back in the day. Because like in the nineties, everybody in high school had Funk Junkie stickers. And they they were always they were they constantly toured. They did. They played the Cog Factory. They played the Cog Factory and the Ranch Bowl a ton, and then they were on a couple of festivals that yep. played in town. But uh, yeah, the Funk Junkies by uh, did a did a Kiss tune, written by Gene Simmons. Uh oh, you know what that means? Yeah, yeah. Gene Simmons break. Richard Simmons break. Hi everybody. Hey, tell me who wants to dance? And that was Richard Simmons. <laughs> We better do a Gene Simmons break. Yeah, Re- Rex will get mad at us if we don't. I'm sure you know he. Rex Rex enjoys them. I'm sure. I don't know if he enjoys when that bill comes, but here's a Gene Simmons break, a, a true Gene Simmons break, for Rex. Toys in the past, Lincoln. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm happy to be anywhere, and I'm always curious why anybody would want to talk to me. And that was Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. We always get confused when Richard Simmons pops up. It it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, sometimes it's Richard, sometimes it's Ron. Ron Simmons? Well, here's a Ron Simmons break. Damn! <laughs> okay, there we go. Ron Simmons is always a fun one. I do it? like Ron Simmons. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to hear from Ron Simmons. Um, he's very, he's got one-liners. Yeah, he has one line. <laughs> That's about it. I mean, Gene Simmons, he's always going, Let's sweat! Yeah. No, that's Richard. Oh, shit. You're getting your Simmons. You're I, thought your it was, Simmons. I thought it was Richard Simmons that loved it loud. Well, he does. He screams all the time. Let's dance! Let's dance! Uh, I'm a pony! I'm a pony! So, uh... Don't you feel like a pony when you sweat? The Goo Goo Dolls 
I do like the Google Dolls. They had a song that they redid by it was the Damned. They did a song called "Wait for the Blackout." Okay. Tommy Shaw and Jack Blades of the Damn Yankees did a song. Uh, then of course we mentioned the Carpenters. Yep. Soul Coughing. Uh, Dexy's Midnight Runners. They they did "Come on Eileen." Oh no shit. Yes. Yes. That's a dirty ass song. Well, you know, you got to watch it because you know they play songs at the at the clubs, mm-hmm. and like they play the twist. Yeah. You do the twist. They play the Macarena. You do the Macarena. They play Come On Eileen. That will get you thrown out of a disco <laughs> if you follow the instructions. If you can find somebody named Eileen. Yes. If not, the person next to you is Eileen. <laughs> but, uh, no, you and Chris Farley and David Spade also performed several songs. Other songs that are featured but did not make the, uh, the, the uh, what's call it? The soundtrack? The soundtrack. Uh, there was a Ray Charles tune in there called What I Say that Chris Farley and Brian Dennehy sing. Maniac from right. Flashdance. Brian Dennehy was a great, well, he was a great ice skater. He was. Uh, Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Amazing Grace. Crazy by Patsy Cline. Crazy. I'm, I'm Sorry by Brenda Lee. I'm sorry. I'm crazy. And the, My Future is So Bright, I Gotta Wear Shades by Timbuk3. Great 80s tune. <laughs> Yeah, I do like that song. So yeah, uh, I thought that song. I thought that was by the Cars. No, similar similar idea. So any anything to say about Tommy Boy before we move on? No. So we covered a lot, pretty much every bit of it. Well, yeah, that's the point, is to do a deep deep dive, and uh, so then we move on to the second film, the second and final film that these two did together, which is Black Sheep. Come out the very next year in '96, uh, and this one is Chris Farley plays the brother of Congressman, uh, a candidate for governor of That's Washington, it. and he's always trying to help out with the campaign, but they do not want his help because he's an idiot. He's an idiot. So they put David Spade in control of him, like. Keep him away. Just keep him away. Well, he they gave him the job of driving this advertisement truck around. You know who's in this movie? Huh. Gary motherfucking Busey. Love Gary Busey. Son, not so much. But he's got the greatest bangs in the business. Just because he pissed you off at a con. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like him. He's up there with Tom Cruise. I know he is. I'd rather watch Pip fart in a snare drum and go see Maverick. <laughs> so, they're, he's driving this truck around. He gets chased by dogs and he crashes into a movie theater. So, they're like, get him out of here. And so, they take him to... Uh, he basically just does, just trying to keep him keep corralled. Him so, they, they take him to a, a shed out in the country. Just like a little cabin. And... They find people hiding out in the woods. They are trying to get to. Uh, they try. They try to get to Seattle to interfere or help with MTV's Rock the Vote. Oh yeah, but he says some shit. We're we're not gonna we're repeat. Um, 
And because uh, there's there's some things that didn't age well in this movie, and he just we could just say he he bumbles his way through and really makes a bad name for himself in this film. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, he did some yeah he did some racy stuff. Yeah, and it turns out that uh, he starts a fire. <laughs> he. Uh, takes a gun from one of the cops and pretends to hold uh, his buddy there hostage and they are trying to influence the election but the election turns out that there is voter fraud so the results get overturned and his brother is the, the winner and they have at the end the brother who becomes governor has to choose between his political career or his being with his brother. So he offers his brother a job and he denies the job because he got his previous job back running a rec center. And it's just a happy ending. I love happy endings. Well, the, the movie ends with... Um, with Chris Farley's jacket getting caught in a plane door. Oh, yeah. And he's trapped outside the plane while it takes off. So, again... Did, did he actually did that stunt? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, notable uh, cameo in this. The band Mudhoney, which they are... Basically, when... Uh, there's a band called Green River. Yeah. We'll get into this more because we're going to do an episode on this. There's a band called Green River up in Seattle. And when they broke up, they went two ways. Green River split into Mud Honey and a band called Mother Love Bone. I like I love I like Mother Love Bone. Well then Mother Love Bone, the singer, died of a heroin overdose and they became Pearl Jam. So like the Mud Honey was they're a great band, they're a great kind of grungy band. Yeah. But they never reached the popularity of any of the other grunge bands, but they are a great band. They played themselves in this film. Nice. So let's see how this movie was received. Again, just like Tommy Boy, it has gained a cult following, but it only has 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. And this the the website says Chris Farley and David Spade reunite to diminishing returns in Black Sheep. A comedic, comedic retread that succumbs to a woolly plot and sophomore jokes. CinemaScore gave it a B plus. Well, for some reason, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert were back on this one, so Gene Siskel apparently hadn't died yet. Yeah. Uh, they gave it two very big thumbs way down. Oh, my God. Siskel said that Black Sheep was one of only three films he's ever walked out on. The others being Million Dollar Duck and Maniac. Million Dollar Duck with Donald Duck? Um, Where's that Daffy? No, it's, it's a Disney movie. Oh. But it's about a duck, a, a goose. Well, it's about a goose. That lays golden eggs. That lays golden eggs. That must be like the sequel to Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, well, it came out in 71. Uh, so... Siskel, or uh, uh, Ebert, no, Gene Siskel. Siskel said that many times that he does not like Chris Farley. He thinks he's a terrible actor. 
stating at one point, and I quote, I hate Chris Farley. He just rubs me the wrong way. I knew John Belushi, I knew John Candy, and he is no Belushi or Candy. Ebert called it not only one of the worst comedies I've ever seen, but the least ambitious. I, it doesn't even feel like they're trying to make a good movie. So, Dude, the scene where he falls down the long-ass hill. Yes. Hold strong, little root. So, later, when they, they reviewed uh, Happy Gilmore, yeah. Ebert tried to defend Chris Farley, saying that he thought Gene Siskel was too hard on him, and he believed with the right script, Chris Farley could be good in a film. Uh, the Washington Post said that Farley and Spade managed to wing humor... Ring humor from a series of juvenile setups and predictable pratfalls. And the San Francisco Examiner wrote that there isn't one shred of slightly intellectual wit in this film. Bullshit. That's kind of my feeling on it. I mean, I thought it was funny. Yeah. I, I think that these guys are funny in movies. But maybe that's just our sense of humor. So. I'm telling you, dude. We need to be film critics. And... I don't know if people like us, but we have better taste in movies than those two jackasses ever did. Yes, we do. Um, So Black Sheep was a contractual obligation for Chris Farley. He signed a two-picture deal to get to make Tommy Boy, and he owed Paramount a second film. So they rushed out to get a script because he was trying to get out of that contract. Chris Farley was being offered $3 million to play the lead role in Cable Guy. And and so he was about to sign that deal. Oh, that would have been amazing. And Cable Guy was the script that finally went to Jim Carrey, and he wanted to do it. And they felt that he was a more bankable star. So Sony Pictures backed off of Chris Farley. Uh and they, I think Chris Farley's a cable guy would have been a completely different movie. I would have probably enjoyed it. Because I do not enjoy Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey at you all. Know what? We need a Jim Carrey break. Fuck! Jim Carrey break. That's it. I've had it with this dump! We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off! There was Jim Carrey. <laughs> God damn it. The combination of bright lights on the set and working under the natural sunlight during this film damaged David Spade's eyes permanently. He has, That's why he always wears a hat. Oh, no shit. He has to wear a hat indoors and outdoors, and flash photography freaks him out. So working outside damaged his eyes permanently? Yeah, working outside and the bright lights on this set. Um, he has to have the lights dimmed in his makeup trailers, and... He says that, you know, this he's very light sensitive and people kind of get pissed. They call him like a prima donna because of it. Yeah. Uh, so he's he says he wonders why he even gets work. He also wears gloves, too. Yeah, and he, you, you always see him. He always has dark glasses and a hat on. Uh, that was Dickie Roberts. He always wore gloves. Yeah. So, yeah, it says here that people mistakenly, often mistakenly think that Chris Farley and David Spade made more than two films together. And it's not the last time they worked together, but it is the last time that they starred together. Yeah. 
So they wanted to make a movie about the Gap Girls, but they, Lauren Michaels just said he didn't think it would work. What the hell's a Gap Girl? Oh, yeah. the the SNL skit with yeah. Adam Sandler. They did, did do a movie like that. It was called uh, Sorority Boys. Yeah. The cabin that they used was the very same cabin that was used in Joe Dirt. Oh no shit. Yeah. So very interesting. Chris Farley remained sober during the entire filming, but he smoked a lot of cigarettes, and before every take, he would chug entire cups of iced coffee. Oh my god, dude. That would just make me crap myself. So in this one, the the uh, tension between David Spade and Chris Farley was heightened Yeah, because of the uh, aforementioned Lori Bagley, who... Uh, they were both interested in. So, they didn't really speak much anymore after Black Sheep, and that was largely due to not only this situation, but because Chris Farley started his descent into drugs and hanging out with very sketchy people, yeah. and David Spade was not about that. So he distanced himself from from that. Uh and this film was trying to ride the coattails and make more money than Tommy Boy, but uh, it had a slightly bigger opening. It didn't make as much money at the box office. Yeah. So, Chris apparently hated this film. Really? He was so upset by the way it turned out. Uh, on the very same night he you know, of the uh, opening, he fell off the wagon. He got drunk, trashed a hotel room, causing $3,000 worth of damage. And then later he would go into his fifth stint in rehab. Oh, fuck. And between takes, Chris Farley would try to entertain the extras by doing bits and skits for them. So that's kind of cool. Except for the fact that he fucking fell off the wagon after this film. Well, yeah, but you know, he would, he would do these little skits for the extras. I mean, that would be kind of fun. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Again, he did most of his own stunts in this, and... One of his favorites was when he was rolling down the hill. That's a that's a great one. That's probably my favorite part of that whole movie. So yeah, and that was one of the director Penelope Shepers. That was one of uh, her favorite scenes. Oh my god! Was when he was rolling down the hill. The thing he like gets done. He's like, "What in the world?" Yeah, and, and he goes back to the next house. Like every house counts. Yeah, every house counts. So, black sheep. I mean. Funny, yeah, it was great. Not as good as Tommy Boy, though. Not no, I, and it, it like like it said, it was trying to live up to what Tommy Boy was. Yeah, but it just didn't make it. So after that, he was in a music video for uh, Adam Sandler for Steve Polychronopolis. Yep. Then he did what is probably my favorite Chris Farley film which is Beverly Hills Ninja. That's a great one. So, Beverly Hills Ninja. That co-starred him with Chris Rock. That, that was Chris Rock, yeah. Uh, it's a martial arts comedy film. And this came out in 97, where a clan of ninjas, they found uh, a baby boy that had washed on shore from a shipwreck. He was fat, too. Wasn't he? Yes. Big old fat baby. And they said that one of their ancient legends spoke of a foreign white male who would come to them and become a master like no other. 
So his name, they give him the name Haru. And he is raised amongst the ninjas. Training with them and all of that. Uh, but as he trains, he they find out he's just clumsy. and just a big oaf. Yeah, he's just an oaf. So he does not graduate with the rest of his ninja class. But he is approached by a woman named Sally Jones in the dojo when everybody else goes out to do a mission. He's there by himself to watch after the dojo. And she comes in and asks, are you an ninja? And he said, yes, yes I am. And tries to uh, impress her with his feats of ninja skills. And everything happens just by chance. Yeah, a lot of it happens by chance, but he screws up a lot of shit too. And so in this film, in this scene, he gets out this three-section staff with chains. Yep. You know, it's like a bow staff, but it's got chains in between. This film, it cracks me up because I know people, in my martial arts experience, I know people just like this, where they think a lot more of their skills than really are, and they end up making an ass out of themselves. We know a few people like this, well, other than in your martial arts. Oh, yeah, we know a lot of people like this. But so that, that three-section staff that he got... Um, at one point, I decided I wanted one. And I was, you know, just starting my dojo out. I was, you know, probably 18, 19 years old and had a wholesale account with the martial arts supplier. Yep. We bought everything that I ever wanted, you know. And one of the things was this three-section staff. So I'm trying to figure out how to use it. And I go out in the yard and I start swinging this thing around. And I got it swinging around. What I failed to think about is, how do you stop this thing once you start swinging it around? Yeah. So I decided just to stop. Well, I, st I was holding the middle piece. The middle piece stopped. One piece went downward and hit me right in the nuts. Oh. The other piece went upwards and hit me in the back of the head at the same time. That's amazing. So I didn't know what Do you have this on video? No. No, I don't. I, this is before people videotape everything. Oh. Uh, so I didn't know what to grab. Can we reenact this? No. no. Well, yeah, I still have it. I'll let you use it. No, I'm not a big old dummy. I didn't know what to fucking grab. Yes, I am. I'll use it. I was I was trying to like hold. I was like, oh my God. Because you get hit hard in the back of the head and in the nuts at the same time. Yeah, you're kind of shit out of luck on that one. You, you, It's pain because the pain from your head radiates downwards. The pain from your nuts radiates up into your stomach. So now your chest hurts. Yo, it, I hurt. I hurt from the back of my neck all the way to my knees. It hurt so fucking bad. Then later, I had a student that was blind. He was an expert with this thing. Oh, shit. And so he's trying to show me how to use it. So he was daredevil. He, he, this dude was amazing. He was amazing. Uh, he he tries to show me how to use it. So he, I put him out in this field, and he's spinning around, and he's flipping that thing around. I was like... Holy shit, he's a ninja. This is awesome. Nice. And he said, this is how you do it. And then this is how you get the stop. And he did this little flip with his wrist, and everything kind of flipped right into his hands. I was like, I'm never touching this fucking thing again. Because it hurt me so bad. I'm never touching it again. Holy fuck. But yeah, so all kinds of uh, all kinds of hijinks happen. He trashes the dojo. He burns an ancient script. Uh, basically, he just... He destroys the... Ashes. Oh yeah, he just senseis. All, the, all the, the yeah destroys all the ashes. Um, but then he, while he's trying to help this lady, he kind of uh, stumbles into a murder plot. Yeah, and uh, counterfeiting plot. 
and he gets him and her into a lot of fucking trouble. Then he starts disguising himself as different things. A sushi chef. I think that was my favorite one. A pimp. <laughs> the pimp was, I don't think the pimp was actually disguised. It was just him trying to fit in, wasn't it? Yeah, he says, I've disguised myself as a pimp to, to, uh, to track you down here. And, and she's like, get out of here. And he's like, no, I'm here to help. And she's like, I don't want your help. But he helps anyways. Yes, he does. Uh, then she reveals to him that she had lied. That it was not what she had claimed it was. It was not her husband cheating on her. Instead, this man had murdered her sister and she wants revenge. She wants to uh, get the evidence of it. So he meets the bellboy at the hotel. Who is Chris Rock. Who is Chris Rock. And he starts training him to be a ninja. Most notably by making him chase, chicken. chase a chicken around and in an attempt to choke it. Yes. And the famous line is... Someday, you will choke that chicken. Which me, still makes me laugh. That's fucking funny. I actually do like that. Uh, in the end... I'm going to choke my chicken later. Are you? Yeah, I might make chicken with dinner. Oh, good. <laughs> so in the end, he kind of fumbles his way into saving the day and gets his ninja medallion. However, he says that he's not going to stay in Japan. He is going to go back to Beverly Hills because they are in need of a great ninja there. And in the end, the prophecy has been fulfilled. And the dojo is like, go. Yeah, they're like, please, go. I love this movie. Like I said, probably one of my favorites in the Chris Rock, the, or the uh, Chris Farley, the very short career of Chris Farley. In the I think films. if he would have stayed, if he would have still been alive and he got himself cleaned up, he would have probably been one of the top top comedians still today. I think so too. Uh, Christian Bale says that this is his favorite movie. It's He's only ever seen it twice, but he says it's his favorite movie. Uh, Chris Farley was disappointed in this film, and he cried really? after his first screening. His brothers are both cops in this film. This, again, is one where he performed most of his own stunts. Yeah. And he was actually injured during one of the stunts. Uh, when he... Wrote, he tried to jump through the wall. He hit a stud, and it did not break. Oh, yeah, that sucks. So, yeah, he got injured. And I wonder if he was just a huge perfectionist because he hated a lot of his movies. Yeah, he wasn't happy with a lot of them. Uh, he, he may have even gotten away from comedy. Oh, yeah. I could see him breaking into more if he would have lived. Like Tom Hanks style. Yeah. He demanded that Chris Rock co-star in this film and said he would not do the movie if Chris Rock was not in it. Because they said that uh, they started on the same day at SNL, yep. and his best days on set were the days that Chris Rock was there. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, he, but he, he did not want to ever do this kind of movie again. Um, so he was, get, he was trying to get away from the slap comedy. Yeah. So, yeah, I think his career would have definitely changed. Yeah, it... And they said that he really tried to get away from the physical humor, and so he dumbed it down a lot. Yeah. And so that's why you see, you know, just kind of like, me. The title role was supposed to be for Dana Carvey, though. Really? Yes. And he backed out at the last minute because Opportunity Knox was a flop, and he did not want to make another movie that he did not have creative control over. Yeah. So he backed out. And, yeah, this is one of his uh, final 
one of his final films that, uh, that Chris Farley did. And and he did, what, one more? Because he died a year later. Yeah, yeah, he did one more. Um, yeah, he died almost exactly a year after this was released. I think he, did he die during the making of this next one, or? Um, I, I believe, yeah, he did. Like, I mean, it's almost the same exact way as John Candy. John Belushi. John, no, Jim. well, John Candy died. Oh, yeah, John Candy making did. Making the same style movie. Yes. So yeah, it, it was it was kind of a, a western, humor, you know, comedy thing Almost called Heroes. Almost Heroes with uh, with Matthew Perry from Friends. Also had Eugene Levy in it. Uh, who else? Uh, yeah, a few, a few. It, it was this movie was not as well received. Uh, it's about two explorers that are competing against Lewis and Clark, and. They're trying to make their way across the country. And, and they're following Lewis and Clark. They think they're ahead of them. They think they're ahead of them, but they they always see that they're just a step behind. Uh, they eventually did make it just before Lewis and Clark, but then they decide, you know, they don't want to go back to their old ways. They want to continue adventuring. So they explore more to great, you know, they try to... Go find something else that they can. Yeah, you know they they didn't want to be the guys that you know that that were successful. So, this movie was funny. Um, only has a five percent approval rating. They said it's a sorry swan song for the talented Chris Farley. They said it's directionless. Doesn't come close to a success. No, that's my opinion on it. I just didn't like it. Yeah, I mean it. it uh, it's been called a dreadful motion picture, terrible production values, poor laugh to joke ratio. It is sad that this was his last film. Yeah. Because it, he 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 was good. You know, he was he was so much better than this. Yeah, uh, he was. And this is like like I said, dude. This is just. This is a, I didn't like it. I thought it was a crap movie, and it's definitely not a good movie. You want to. Like they said, your swan song. No. That's not something you want to go out on. No. But, I mean, he did have one other movie that was released after this that he filmed a cameo for. Uh, what was it called? Dirty Work? Yeah. And that was the movie where he had his nose bitten off. Okay. And it was just a cameo. He was uncredited for that role. But. And that had. Um, that had Norm MacDonald. Norm, yeah, it was Norm MacDonald's movie. So. Yeah, they would, like, go and, like. That movie there, they were almost like con men. Yes, yes. But, you know, just for the 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 tragic end and all that, the guy made some great movies. And I really wish we would have seen more. So kind of, you know, what is your final takeaway for the career of Chris Farley? I thought his career was amazing. You know, and I wish he was still around because I think he'd still be doing amazing movies. Not necessarily slap comedies. But more, I think if he was still alive, he would have been where Kevin James is, like in the Adam Sandler movies. I can see that, yeah. Totally, totally. Um, it's just an example of, you know, the someone's demons getting the best of them yeah. and uh, really, you know, kind of uh, putting a, a early end on a, a great career. And that could have ended so much better or, or still been going on, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, 
I like to think of, of Beverly Hills Ninja as his great movie. Yeah. Because you know, he was basically on his own. He had Chris Rock, of course, but he carried that movie on his own, which, you know, that, that's something that you can't really take away from him. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, Chris Farley. I think Chris Farley is an amazing person. Chris Farley, David Spade, awesome comedy duo. We thought and, they did a hell of a lot more together than they really did. And I could have, I, you know, and I could see them doing, uh, they would have been, like I said before, you know, the next Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Oh, I think so. They would have been, duo. yeah, if they would have gotten along, but they, a woman got in the way. And, uh, that happens. That does happen. So, anything else you want to mention here? No, I think we covered a lot of good stuff here. Yeah. So, next week we will conclude this, uh, this little three-part series that we got going on with... Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider, which this one will be pretty fun because those two did a lot of shit together. And they're both fucking hilarious. Yeah. I mean, Adam, Adam Sandler gets a lot of crap, but he's one of my favorite comedians. Yeah, I think he's funny. So, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, wrap this up. So, for the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power, I'm Mikey. I'm Corey. And we'll see you next time. Say goodbye, Corey. Goodbye, Corey. Let's jam some D-Light. Hoover's in That's all I got. Thank you. We're going to dance. We're going to dance. We're going to dance and have some fun. Fun.
to the die, baby, you'll realize Baby, you'll see the funk inside of me Baby, you'll see that rhythm is a key Hit, get, witty, witty, can't think, quitty, quitty Stomp on a speak when I hear a funk group Blue play and pop pipe, follow her to shoot Baby, just sing about the groove Sing it! <laughs> Come on, y'all, y'all are crazy, man. <laughs>